the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one crying the wilderness prepare the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god the voice of one exhort one another each day some of the translations say daily not on Wednesdays and Fridays and Sundays each day that would definitely not refer to every meeting they had I know there were seasons where the church met every single day but many of them also do not meet every single day exhort one another each day as long as it is called today as long as we are in this season called today this season this span of time that none of you may become hardened by sin's deception exhorting one another daily will keep us from being hardened by sin's deception sin deceives we didn't say so that none of you will be overcome by sin's power. Spoke of being hardened by deception. Deception. Because sin uses deception. Like the devil. Who jabs us with sin. The antidote to hardening resistance to God arising from sin is what? Daily exhortation. Not exhortation. Daily exhortation. The antidote. You must take at least one dose of exhortation daily to keep from being hardened. That's why people can go to church twice or thrice a week. And still be living in absolute sin. Insufficient doses. My dad told me a story years ago. Told us. About how they take vitamin C. When he was schooling. Doing a program in. United States. And he keep having a cold. Couldn't understand until. Someone spoke to him and said. How many tablets did he take? Long story short. He was taking a few you know. He wasn't taking sufficient milligrams. Then he was supposed to take a thousand milligrams daily. But he was taking, like most of us do, 200 milligrams of vitamin C. Wasn't enough. So the core remained. He needed to take more. That was the solution. In the same way, Many people go like, I go to church, I'm in a department. I don't know why I haven't changed. I don't know why I'm still struggling like this. Insufficient doses of exhortation. And interestingly, they didn't say receive exhortation from scripture. It said, exhort one another daily. I think there's something in addition to studying your Bible 
that happens. There's something that happens when someone shares with us something God spoke to them. If it contains something that God has already spoken to you, I think it strikes home much deeper. Because it's confirmation. You're really struck by, wow, God is speaking to me. Is that not what I just read in the morning? Isn't that what I heard before? How is it that I am hearing it again? It's the power of the witness, the double witness. So my exhortation to you, this first exhortation today, is that we all should practice exhorting one another daily. Practice exhorting one another daily. Whether you write it out and send to someone, someone comes on your heart. Could be a simple scripture, it could be a short word. Could be when you come across yourselves on the road, you're walking down. Hey, what's the exhortation? Someone says, well, um, today, this is what was ministered to my heart. And you just say it and keep. There doesn't have to be a response. Important thing is that exhorting people daily and not just for yourselves, not just your brethren from this congregation, but other Christians. Did you know, and you just share something, have you read? I'm sure everyone here has been helped somewhere or the other by someone that just shared something that seemed off the cuff. You know, just said it. And it struck home. It was exactly what was needed. Not just when we come here for meetings and uh, prophetic uh, ministration is happening and through scriptures. But general preaching from rather ordinary conversation. Ordinary conversation should give birth to daily exhortation that keeps us from the deception of sin. You may be on your way somewhere you shouldn't be going to. On your way back. If we don't form a practice. This is a command. Exhort one another each day to prevent hardening arising from the deception of sin. We are instructed by the Lord to do this. By the Spirit of God. Exhort. He's telling us. He's commanding us to exhort one another. So it means we have to purposely do it. Because it typically does not come to us to do things like that. If anything I know from normal practice, for people that feel that they are considered already too spiritually minded, they try to act normally, yes? Struggle to be normal. Don't stop struggling to be normal. Or sin will harden someone and carry them off. And they will be hardened. It is why when the enemy wants to take someone down, he separates them from exhortation. Consider if coming to church meetings where exhortations are given, it's had such an impact on your life. How much more if you're getting it every day, everywhere? Of course, what you have in money, devotions, and different groups, that's it. But you've also noticed what happens from those that cut away, stay away, and so on. They get hardened. And you look at them and you can't believe how hard they've become, how resistant to the truth. Because that's what happens when you stay away from exhortations. Exhortations soften you. Daily exhortations keep you soft. Once in a while exhortations have some impact. But no exhortation results in hardening. So there's no need to wonder anymore how come some people are so hard? 
How come some people are? So how did they become what they become? They were not like this. How did they change so much? Abstinence from exhortations. We all need exhortation. I'm sure I told you guys years ago that one of the ways I know someone is not okay spiritually, just watch how they stay away from meetings. That's all. Watch how casually they can stay away. Watch how late they come. Almost as if the ones that come as though, um, um, huh, let me go so they won't ask where I was. Once you notice that thing, it doesn't matter who, even if it's me. No, I'm backsliding. No, something is wrong with me. I'm on the way down a slippery slope. Something is going wrong. If it's not checked, those that catch themselves and rest, act quickly, usually will recover with time. Those that don't, I don't know, I, I'm tempted to ask here. Yeah, you know, you did that thing, you did it for a short while, you're shocked at how easy it became to stay away. It, it became easy. It, it becomes easy. There was a time you couldn't, but you couldn't even imagine it. And then, you stay away once, and then suddenly it becomes, it's, it's like you have many reasons to stay away. Excuses, it's easy. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's hardening, that's what the Bible calls it, it's a hardening. I don't know how to explain it in the spirit realm, because you are sure that your heart, ah no, I can never, ah, I love Jesus too much. But here you are, it's the same you, that two months ago, we're literally panting for God. I'm not talking about being weary. I'm talking about a, a seeming lack of care. As if, ah, I have to go to church. They're not excited about it. It's a hardening. It usually results from absence, from exhortation. Now, what do you do if you're not around brethren of the same caliber like you? You exhort yourself. Go to the scriptures. Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Peter and James and Joseph and um, Gideon will exhort you. Go to them. They are part of us. They are the family members in heaven. They will exhort you. So your Bible will keep exhorting you. But when you're around each other, exhort one another daily too. You really have to work on not discussing too many irrelevant things. We have to actively resist just talking about just anything too long. We can talk about a few interesting, funny things, but not too long. Don't dwell on it and go on and on. Dwell on the things that matter. Dwell on the things that are important. Dwell on the things that are real. Dwell on that. True, honest, just pure love. They've got reports. Vyad has praise. Think on that. If you think it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, then speak it. Don't just think it. Some of us, we just think it only. We never say it out. So the only people speaking out are those that are saying irrelevant things. But the moment you think it, it's okay to open your mouth and keep saying Bible stuff. Keep doing it. I don't mean you should go around oppressing unbelievers with that. It didn't say exhorts unbelievers. It says one another. So he's talking about brethren, he's talking about the children of God. Especially as you see the day approaching. That's what it says. Especially as the day is approaching. There's a day approaching, especially. Of course, you know it can't be as the days go by, the day moves further. 
whatever day is approaching is nearer with every passing day. He said, as long as it is today, because there is a today season, which may not be anymore. This today, tomorrow will be yesterday. So now that we have today, today is the time you have with one another. Exalt one another daily. Don't look forward to saying, hey, yeah, what happened now? What happened? Oh, that brother. Oh, I thought he was catching up. Oh, that sister. Exhort one another daily. Don't say it's pastor's job. It's my pastor's job. It's the leader's job. It's not. He says one another. He says one another. You see your brother, you see your sister, it seems they stay. You're like, what's happening with you? I haven't seen you. And they go, um, I was just tired. Don't hesitate at all to ask them if their head is well. And maybe you're, are you okay? Are, are you real now? Is it not you that had some crazy vision the other day? Tell them. All that, eh, okay, eh. You might harden them more. So they were hardening over a hundred. They were at eight. When they met you and they told you what you said, oh, okay, so you were tired. Yeah, me too. Sometimes I'm just tempted to. The thing goes up to 14. It was eight when they met you. 14, in the name of being understanding, you just harden them more. Instead of exhorting them, which includes warning or encouragement. The word exhortation, we've considered it many times. The Bible says when John told the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you children of snakes, that's what brood of vipers means, who told you to escape from the coming wrath? At the end, it says later, it says with many such words, the John exhorts them as exhortation. But it also says of Barnabas, you know, he encouraged them, he exhorted them. Different scriptures talk about exhortation. So there are times, exhortation is anything. It's anything. That helps you along, builds you up, strengthens you. It could be tearing down something, it could be building up something. Exhortation is anything that is an admonishment or a correction or an encouragement. Don't let anyone tell you exhortation means encouragement. Only no. Then John, he shouldn't have been said he was exhorting them when he was calling them snakes. So say whatever God lays on your heart. Don't hesitate. That hesitation might take them up. If you express some support, they might harden more. Okay? And then you go beyond that. Another person sees them and doesn't ask them, where were you? What's happening with you? And notice you didn't come up for many devotions the last two days. You don't say anything. You want to be acceptable. Or some funny, stupid spirit is whispering to you, no, thou shalt not condemn. What's the meaning of that? If you heard they were not in class, hello, you heard they didn't come for class. A test is coming up. The lecturer said, make sure you're in the class. We are preparing for the upcoming exam or test. And they didn't come. Would you keep quiet? You see, as usual, it shows where your heart is and what is important. If it's some carnal thing, eh, it's a big deal. If it's a, if it's a spiritual thing that is of eternal relevance, that is not such a big deal. It's personal. This thing is... Jesus is personal. How come you care so much about his academics? Do you pay school fees? Why do you care so much about her academics? Where were you? Where are you? Where are you? You pick up your phone. Where are you? Where are you? I hope you remember that today is the test. 
I'm sorry, do students still do things like this? Oh, yeah, because the school is really important. Yeah, church, eh? you look around, they are not here. You know you finish class together by two, three. You, you're here. It's ten minutes to, it's five minutes to. It's almost time, you don't see them. You don't pick your phone and say, where are you? The phone rings, rings, you know, it rings, rings. Maybe, 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 hello. You're sleeping? Uh, no, rather you go. Oh, okay. Oh, you're sleeping. Sorry, I woke you up. Oh, you weren't planning to come today. Listen to your choice of words. Again, it shows where your heart is. It shows how you are. I can assure you when he says it's not for another daily. This was not talking about your academics. It's talking about your spiritual life. He said especially as the day approaches. And then the next verse says, do not harden your heart like as they did in the rebellion. Because the hardening of the heart is a condition that comes on a people who were once saying, yes, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horses and his riders has he thrown into the sea. And you excited when the Red Sea crossed, you did the Passover, you saw the plagues, you were delivered from Egypt, from the world. Awesome God. We give you praise. Hey, the same you. Now you harden your heart. You resist God. You open your mouth and say strange things. They wonder, where are these words coming from? The words are coming from a hardening heart. It's a heart undergoing a process. The process of hardening. A hardened heart is the worst thing. Or one of the very worst things that could happen to a person. Above all, keep your heart soft. The way the Bible says it, guard your heart diligently. Keep it soft and watery and clean, free of debris, dirt and trash and junk that clogs it up. Because the heart is a fickle thing. It has the capacity to harden. This is just a short exhortation. I'm going to step down now soon. Someone has an exhortation to give. But um, just giving you a preamble. I hope you share it with the rest that are not here. And with your friends all over the world. A hardened heart. It doesn't fall out of the sky. People didn't go from, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. What about you? They didn't go from that to hard. No. They hardened. Because people were not walking around every day exhorting daily. Throwing the thing on them, sprinkling. How you keep sprinkling water on a garden? Keep sprinkling. The earth in that garden will never be hard, hard. Clods, it will always be slight, soft. Cause you're sprinkling the words of God all the time to stay soft. But if you leave it like that, the sun keeps beating down the cares of this world. Pressures, trials, temptations, they keep hitting, it becomes hard. If someone had kept just pouring water, pouring water on God's garden, kept pouring. Imagine if they said, stop pouring on me, I had, they poured water on me two weeks ago, what is it? Is it by force? I don't want, pour the water anyway. You don't know what would change the suicidal person's mind. You don't know what will finally make it the soil soft enough for new growth to spring forth. So keep pouring. 
send it as a message, talk to them. Start on I don't come out for devotions. I was I've just been feeling tired. So me too. That's exactly how I felt. You know what the Bible says? Do not abstain from the gathering together of the believers, as is the habit of some. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, where were you last Sunday? Oh, my friend had a... I've, said, I've told you guys stories here. People have fallen into immorality by staying away from one Sunday meeting. One. They stayed away one Sunday meeting. They are gone. If they had come to church, they wouldn't. And then they go down like this. It's so fast, you can't believe it. One. <laughs> so from that one, they stay away. Like the guilt, the shame, the pain, the this, the that, the that. One. It's not one person. It's not two. All they might have needed was someone to exhort them. When we go to church now, I don't know if I'm coming today. What does that mean? You don't know if you're coming today. I don't understand. Did you attend classes today? It's not optional. Please, let's go to church. It's not a discussion. Why are you thinking about it? Do you think we are going to live life? Do you think if you're going to do the right thing? Do you think it? You just do it. Alright. So I want you to call this my short exhortation. The power of exhortation. Or daily exhortation. This exhortation is called the power of daily exhortation. Don't joke with it. From henceforth, I want everyone take it upon themselves to exhort someone or two or three or ten or fifty. As many as you possibly can. One way or the other. Every day. You can exhort them by sharing a word that was shared somewhere. By clipping out parts. I used to see once in a while. I, I saw it once or twice. Just very few times. Someone clipped out something that was said. You know, it could sound, you know, I've seen that. I've seen some people. I told someone, so you write it out for yourself. You find out nice things. You keep it for yourself. <laughs> You bring out things. I've seen others. I mean, I, like, oh, you did it once or twice. You share it on uh, wherever I shared it. Status to the whole wide world. What about sharing with your brethren that are here? Including sharing with me. I read things that they were taken from messages I preached. I'm like, wow, this is... But I see my name at the bottom. I'm surprised too. Because it sounds like the Holy Spirit. Sounds a bit too wise for me. Why don't you share that? Short things. Things that grab and make one ponder. Why keep it to yourself? Why? Identify those things as you're writing, you know, and you note, oh, this sounds like a short point, one sentence, two sentences. You underline it with red or something, and then grab it out later. What's wrong with putting out a steady stream of that? One, two, three, every day, like that. Simple things like that can be all that's required for someone to stop in his tracks from going down the wrong road. And like I say, you never really know the power of your obedience. I have found out from experience that every time I obey the Holy Spirit, even though I don't know, I, if I'm struggling, I'm fighting. It could very simply, it could be a song. I just want to say, Baba, we just sang it. And you guys took off. I sit here, I'm wondering, why on earth? Why would I sing it sounds like that. Why? But I go like, how many times? Just sing the song. If that's the song that fell out of the sky into your head as you sat there. Obey. You didn't come up with it for sure. 
So you sing it. And that's what the Lord wanted. To have sung any other song. It's the obedience that wins the battles. That brings the victories. That turns the tide in the favor of God's kingdom. In the same way, obey. Exhort one another daily. To keep yourself from the deceitfulness of sin. Do it now, in the years ahead, when you go, wherever you go. Keep doing it with the new people, with the old people. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. You don't know what will stop someone from becoming hardened. And you don't know if your own is this. Whether the person needs 35 different exhortations to crack that hardness that has set in. You don't know. So don't go, oh, how do I know yesterday they won't be irritated or... And of course, don't go targeting one soul, except that someone that God has placed on your heart. And you know, this one looks like they have a propensity to fall. This one looks like their surname is hardened. Like they just keep wanting to look hard. And I see people like that sometimes. I, sometimes I sense that some people, any small excuse to go hard. It, it's almost like they are waiting for an excuse to close up the heavens so it won't rain on them. So you can buy a watering can, okay? Or use a fire truck and just plant it in their direction and just on it and spray them with the word of God. So you don't go saying, well, I don't want to see my I'm not disturbing you. They stop them. Till they open their mouth and say, leave me, I hate the Bible. Uh -huh. say, uh -huh. It has come out. Now you open your mouth and say, come out of him. At least we have caught the culprit. If it comes to that level. But I'm exhorting us today. What today? Every time you hear me speak and I say, I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm using my today. Today, today, today. Don't harden your heart today. Or you may be very hard or harder tomorrow. This is our today. Let's make use of it wisely. Amen. Alright, so let's welcome Sister Favor. Let her come and exhort us for a while. Good evening, everyone. I'll start by sharing a dream I had this evening. So, in the dream, I saw, um, it was like an occasion, like a wedding ceremony, and like the, most of the people I saw, it was like the wedding for GLH members. But I think we've represented the church in the dream. And when it was supposed to start by, let me say, 10, and we all had this African mentality. You know, this African man's time something. So when I went into the hall, by I think I came by past 10, something like that, because I was like, ah, there's no way they'll start by 10 now. Then I met a um, pastor. He was already there in the hall. Like, we are supposed to come early, so we'll be able to prepare things, like, for the wedding. And nobody came. Only pastor was there, and he was... He had to do those things alone, preparing the things and all that. Then he was like, why is it only you that is here? What about your brethren? I was like, I don't know. So when I joined him and we did everything, then the other people now came really, really, really late for the wedding ceremony. So when I woke up, I was wondering why I would have that kind of dream. 
Then the Holy Spirit started reminding me because before I slept, I was talking to somebody about the coming of Jesus, like the last day. And I was telling her that it's not as far as we think it is. That you know when we hear it, we think it's like 200 years from now because since we are born, they've been telling us that he was born 2,000 years and he's coming. We know this thing. We know we have that head knowledge, but the understanding is not there. So he made me to understand through the dream that it's at, it's very, very close. And I don't know why he used like us in the dream. So maybe there are people here too that doubt that thing, that don't believe it, that maybe we are still thinking because we've had so many times that most of us will be alive, those kind of things. So maybe we are thinking, hmm, this thing maybe is 500 years from now. So I just want to like, Say that in passing, that maybe if you're here and your thinking is so far, it's not as far as you think. So make yourself ready, like for the wedding ceremony. Okay, so I think we are in line with um, with what Pastor was saying because I already proposed to share from the um, book of Jude. And it's not a mistake because it talks about exhortation also. So the book of Jude is admonishing us to fight contend and battle when apostasy arises and false teachers emerge. So I'm going to open it. If you're with your Bible, you can join me. Okay, I read. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was one delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in on our ears who we have before of the old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord Jesus and our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Lord God. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord have, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own in, their own habitation, he had reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in the like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after, and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That is where I'm going to stop. So, like I said before, the book of Jude is admonishing us to fight and contend. Whenever things like this arises. So now, let me just read from my Bible study book. Now I understand why God said we should have understanding. Because it's only those who truly understand that will be able to battle, contend and fight. I remember um, a period of time when I was having this series of dreams. Where I was failing exam and all that. And I wake up so devastated. I'm like, why am I always failing exam in the dream? So I didn't know, I didn't have understanding of the meaning of the dream. So 
I recall telling him, Pastor Amaka, and she prayed and told me that God said I lacked understanding. Man, you know, God is always right. And see me trying to please God. Like, how will he say I lack understanding? But when I thought of it, it's true. And I had to go study what understanding means. I had to go read the book of Proverbs. And understanding is you actually obeying what God is saying. It's you not just having the um, wisdom, the head knowledge. It's you taking a step further to do what God is saying. It's more like, you know, we are students here and there are some courses you just know that you have to cram this thing. You need the wisdom to just write that course. But there are some you love so much that even if they wake you up from sleep, you'll be able to explain it. Why? Because you actually understand what that thing is saying. So if you don't have understanding, to be difficult for you to battle, it's difficult for you to fight or contend for the faith, for the salvation which was once delivered to you. So understanding is truly believing and doing what God says we should do. Only believers who are spiritually in shape can answer their summons. That's why we should study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, Proverbs 4.7 talks about you should get wisdom, but in all you're getting, get understanding. So why did God have to tell us to go ahead, not just to get wisdom, but to also get understanding. Because it's really important for you to understand what God is saying. Because that um, there's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about true wisdom, a house is built, but true understanding, it is established. So you may think that you actually know this thing. Fine, you know this thing, that is the foundation. But for that thing to be established in you, for you to be able to, like, you know, we live here, this is not our father, this is our father's house, but... We, we will all leave this place someday. How would you be in the next five years, in the next ten years? But if you have understanding, not just the wisdom, you really understand what God is saying at this time. You will go out there and do mighty things. So we need to understand. The scripture I quoted that we should study to show ourselves approved is in 2 Timothy 2.15. So Jude wrote this book warning them of false teachers who are turning God's grace into unbounded license to do as they please. Then how much more now? I was like pondering on this thing. Like this, the book of Jude was written like thousands of years ago and he was admonishing the church that they should be aware, like they should like about this thing that is happening. How much more now? Because the Bible says that like the time have gotten worse. So when we read the Bible, we should not think it happened in those days. Right now, it's actually happening. If people confront you, why are you a believer? Do you have any question to tell them? Like there is this uh, movie, I what do you believe? And the man was asked, if you have, if you are ever accused of being a Christian, will they have much evidence to convict you? And maybe you can ask yourself that. So the challenge is great because they will get perfect. Like these people that are distorting the word of God, that are twisting it for, like, they are just saying anything that they feel like saying. It's not God that is speaking to them. They will get perfect at what they do because they are sold out to the devil. Although the Bible tells us that God is able to keep us from stumbling. So a big step to understanding is being a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That is why that place, the book of Jude starts with Jude, a bond servant of Jesus. And we've been learning about this thing for the past few weeks. So that is a big step to understand. Be a bond servant and everything is going to fall in line. 
If you are not a born servant of Christ, it will be difficult for you to defend his cause. Jude used the word common. The word he used in, in the Bible, the common faith, it signifies shared by all. That means if I say we have a common faith, yeah, that means we believe in one thing. And all Christians share a common faith of salvation, which is I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He died and he resurrected. We all believe in the same thing. So why is it necessary for them to preserve this common faith? Because people have come into like the church, the Bible says that they have secretly crept in. And don't ever think that the devil will come in his true form and like to scare you and say, mm, I'm the devil, that kind of thing. No, he's going to pass through people that will make themselves available for him. So Jude is still speaking to us today to contend, to fight, to debate, to dispute about what we believe in. And there are many examples in the Bible. A typical example is Paul in Acts 19. Verse 8. So let me just read it. Acts 19 verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So there was actually a dispute. like, And he had to like, you know, like you need evidence. That is, that is not just head knowledge. You need to understand. It has to be like a practical knowledge. The experiential knowledge of God. So when you're, ask, when you're talking with someone that is so messed up, what evidence do you have that this information you're actually bringing is the truth and not a lie? So Paul is a typical example. Then another example is also Peter in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. So what are we contending for is a question. Why are we contending? The faith which was once delivered to the saints. There is only a debate or contentment when there are two opposing parties. And of course, there are light and darkness. They are not always in agreement. That is why till Jesus come, you will always have people to talk to about the kingdom of God. So why must you contend? Like I said, Satan isn't going to come down to defy God's word. He won't come down himself. He's going to use men to fulfill his agenda. That is why Jude said that those men have secretly crept into the church. And there are so many places. They are everywhere today. These men turned God's grace into lewdness that is undisciplined, unruly, immoral. They use God's kindness as an excuse for sexual freedom. This is not a new thing. It's happening all around the world. Now, just as it happened in the time of Jude, like Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is nothing new under the sun. God's grace is the ability to turn away from sin and to say no to ungodliness, just like we've seen in the book of Titus 2. So when you deny God's grace, the Bible says that they have denied God's grace. You're indirectly saying that God is not able to help you. He's not able to change you. So these men... And don't think these men are unbelievers. Like, okay, of course they are unbelievers, but don't, don't go far. Don't go into the world and say, ah, it's that musician. No. These men, they pose as pastors because that is the easiest way to actually, like, how would I put it? It's the easiest way to spread false news among the Christendom. It's to be a teacher. It's to be a pastor. Even a prophet. They are everywhere. 
So whatever you want to call them, these are the people. In fact, most of them, Jesus said it, that they will come in my name. So nobody goes around saying, "Mm, I am this. No, they come in the name of the Lord. Why? So that you're going to believe them. So most of them come in his name. That is why Jude said they were unnoticed. You know, it's obvious when, like, they come in their own name and they say, like, I am Jesus Christ. Like, they call themselves Jesus. So you all, you go like, hmm. But when they come in the name of the Lord and they pretend, it's, it's like, it's kind of difficult for you to notice them. That is why Jude had to use that word that they, they crept in on, on notice. So remember when Jesus said, it's not all who call him Lord, Lord, that will enter into the kingdom of God. And as we know, those people will never enter into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, like, is the promised land. So you cannot rightly divide the word of truth if you don't have understanding. That's why you must understand what the scripture is saying every day, every hour. You must take your Bible study very, very serious. So like the examples, there are like examples in the Bible from, from the book of Jude. I pointed out three examples that Jude had to give and pastor just said it about the people that you're to exhort. There are people that are in church. Like, nobody just goes, they, they are the ones that their heart is being hardened. So, this, the people of Israel came, all came out from Egypt, saw the miracles that God did, but did not see the promised land because of unbelief, and God had to destroy them. So, be very careful of unbelief. It is very possible to see all that God is doing and still live in unbelief. It's very, very possible. It's very possible to go from this place and in 10 years time, we don't know where you are. It's very possible for your heart to be hardened. So you need to like, like, it's a conscious effort. You need to know yourself very well. So the angels, another example is the, the first example is the children of Israel. And we know that Israel is symbolic of the church. So it's telling you that don't go far. Many persons in the church today, they are living in unbelief. Their hearts are already hardened. But some of them, they still come to church. That is why they are able to come and do whatever they want to do. The angels who the Bible tells us that, you know, the Bible tells us that angels are great. You understand that kind of thing. When they sinned and rebelled, God did not spare them. God did not go like, hmm, if are angels, let me just have mercy on you. He didn't do that. He, like, that place, the book of Jude says that there is an everlasting chain that is prepared for them. So if God did not even spare the angels, how much more you? He did not spare the children of Israel. So it's really, really serious. And I noticed that like two examples of people that walked with God, that stayed in his presence, had to be given. So it's really important to know that because you're here does not mean you're an exception. So that is why I think I listened to a message that pastor preached on, always asking for the grace of God. Don't grow above asking for God's grace. We need it every day of our life. So don't think because you're sitting down here that, ah, I can never be had in that. Leave that thing you're saying. Me, till I die. It's not true. Because just one thing, the devil will just put, like, your way. You fall in. So we should always be conscious of these things. So Sodom and Gomorrah is another example. And other cities that God actually punished. They committed sexual immorality with men, women, 
God didn't spare them. He punished them severely. And you know, like he told us on Sunday, I don't know how many of you are very scared. Me, I was. Like my fear, the fear of God in my life actually increased after Sunday. Like seriously. Because your day and God loves us so much. So he will surely punish you for all the things that you do. He will punish you severely because whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So it's even a problem when you do something and God is not doing anything. You know that something is wrong. So, like I said, I was wondering why two examples of people who worked with God had to be used, like in the book of Jude. So, like I've said, these two categories of people, the angels and the children of Israel, hmm, they had worked with God, experienced his glory and power, but they still rebelled and God punished them. What happened? Why did they rebel? Maybe it's this hardening of heart thing. So it's really important. And I think this, God is conveying this message to people this evening. So, you know, the whole summary, I'll end by saying this. Let him that think he stands take heed lest he fall. Thank you. Heather. So I hear that um, people have been hearing about the book of Jude, the book of Jude, the book of Jude. Oh well. Okay. Who else has something to share, please? From the book of Jude. <laughs> Genesis. <laughs> Someone has Genesis. You read the book of Jude today? You've always wanted to say something about since we were born. <laughs> They're just looking for the place where they allow this. <laughs> okay, come and say for five minutes. Or less. Amen. Um, I'll talk about the, a little about the warfare. If you notice there, he, in that Jude chapter 1 verse, okay, Jude chapter 1 verse 17. Let's go to 16. It says, these, okay, 16 it says, these are grumblers, complainers, working to their own lust, and their mouth, and their mouth, great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Now, let's just take note of this, that um, if you know, in the past days, we have been struggling with the grumblers, the complaining, and of course, it is reflecting again. So, it's so these people that speak of gain to people that will flatter you, oh, you need to, you're a very good person, you have to bow down so that you bring everything you have. So, sometimes, okay, at, at some point, I, people have told me, okay, sometimes I flatter a lot, but then, it's as if sometimes when you, when you do it, it is as if you are trying to get something from them. A lot of times, you know, pastors do it. So is that when they know they have a church project, that's when they will have to preach the giving message. So that then you, if you don't do it at that point, you feel like a sinner. It happens a lot. So, now these people he's talking about now are those in the body of Christ. That is Israel. But also, we should also look at it ourselves. Okay, we have heard it over time that some of us will be called to the full-time ministry. Other times will be like the pastor bankies and the rest. But we should be so conscious that what we are doing is actually the true word of God. 
we're actually sending it out and then straight up to 20 I say that but you beloved building yourself on your most holy faith praying in the spirit so now the building yourself of course it, it talked about praying in the spirit of personally for yourself but it is also going back to what pastor has said about talking to one another who build ourselves up oh how are you doing today I hope everything is fine you know oftentimes it, when we don't when we don't talk to people, when we don't pay attention to them, they feel like, okay, maybe it was destined. You know, as, as we're in the prophetic ministry, okay, long ago, um, or I think that was early 2018, there was a time I stumbled and I came here, and I had this fear, because you know, when you're coming through this place, there's, there's this tendency that, you know, some, some, some of the prophetic gifts in here, you can just get to look at the person and you're reading everything, even though you're not going to anything. So I had this fear that, like, a scan, when you're coming into this door, that everybody is coming you. Yes. So other times too, when you don't come, you resist. Nobody comes after you. Then we feel like, okay, yes, maybe, maybe it wasn't my fault. Maybe this, this thing, some persons have been selected. Oh, some persons were saved in Revelation 7. So maybe I'm, I'm not part of those people. And maybe those people were saved in Lighthouse. So, you know, so maybe since I'm not part of them, they're fine. It should not be. We have to build ourselves up daily. Now, um, Sunday, Derek and I were coming and we were, we were analyzing the past leadership. We were like the price they paid. Okay. Maybe Pastor Margaret had, um, oh, I understand so much. Pastor Margaret had like 20, okay, let me say 20 persons or 15 below. But it's as if every Sunday she came to my house. Now, not that, not that, oh, it was every Sunday though, but there was this availability that, okay, whenever you needed her, she was there. And you see them going after you. I remember the times, oh, you're going, you're going, Margaret, something is happening, five o'clock, she's meeting you somewhere. It is just like a, a draft that is being played. You will get there somehow. So yes, if this, if, um, the leaders of them did not, or the first set of leaders did not actually come after us continuously, personally, personally, I knew, a lot of times I ran away from, see, I, I ran away literally. Why? Because it was too good to be true. I promise. Those times when you have your doctrine so fixed with you and pastor comes and he makes you read it yourself. And then you're reading it and you're stopping. You're not finished reading everything because of course you have held yourself somewhere. So I ran a lot of times because he was, he was true. He was messing up with my doctrine, my doctrine, my Roman Catholic doctrine. So he was really messing up with it. But then he sent people a lot or sometimes he would tell you, tell him to come and see me. And it was really a trouble. So we ought to just build ourselves up daily. I need a lot of time. Okay, let me just share this thing. When I was in the house, I, I really wanted to stumble. Now, see, I wanted to. I needed to. I want to. How will I say it? Like, okay, but then now, okay, for like three days, I did not log on to WhatsApp. So something happened. I said, let me have my data. Let me just, let me just stumble. Let me show off. Let me live in the flesh once again. And then before then, I lived in denial. I said, let me go to my WhatsApp. You know, just check your WhatsApp. Let you know, yeah, like, I know what I'm supposed to just go straight. Let me just beat around the bush. And then I went to my WhatsApp, showed up the status. And then I saw a deacon. I saw Pastor Ann. I saw Pastor Maka. I saw Buma. I saw, who was that? Like, okay. Now I saw a lot of persons on their status. Of course, for a person to be maybe a scripture or something spiritual. And then when I, I just opened one. I think that should be that Edith Kanoguma. I opened it. I, do, I don't know what I read. But I told myself, eh? You want to stumble? Well, it's as if everybody is standing. And you want to be the Ekan? No. 
Like I, I advise if I cut myself, I advise myself that day. Like to, that was my deliverance. I promise. Now, in some way, that thing it, it built me up because I looked at I looked at everybody around me. That is why it is safe. We have we have a lot of let me call it lighters. Was um, sister DJ on Paul did something. I, I, I asked her. She, she just came to me. Do you have my number? I said no. She said I'm your sister. She, she put my number. That was what she was doing, doing, doing. Of course, I read me into it that if I can surround myself with everybody, with the brethren, I don't have, how do you want to stumble? One certain time I posted something not brotherly. Pastor Anne inboxed me straight. The other time, Buma inboxed me. Like, you don't have any chance to do so. So, but when we run away from the brethren, we are hardening our hearts. And then there's nobody around us. There's nobody by our side to actually build us up. So that is why, in fact, you have, um, you have a sickness. Pastor has always said it though. When you, you're always having goosebumps, you know this goosebumps that comes out of allergy. See, it's not that, um, it's not that I don't like lighthouse food, but, mm, let me just be on my own. No, we can't just be on our own. Why? Because we need to build ourselves up. A lot of times, I promise, it is, I, it is, okay, when we're living here before, all I just need to do to read my Bible in the morning is to wake up and see Derek reading his Bible inside the room. No, you have a conscience, please. I will grab my Bible. Now, I'm grabbing my Bible, not because I don't need to read it, of course, but because I look at him that this brother is standing. So I'm actually looking up to someone. So when maybe, <laughs> he's as I am. So, <laughs> so there's nobody to encourage anybody. Yes, we'll just live like, okay, two blind men walking straight into the pit. But if we have somebody that is seen, is seen, you actually have to direct us. So we have all our bags. Don't forget the shield at the back. Bible does not make provision for it. But we are the ones behind. So if nobody's watching my bag, there's a way which seems, there's a part which seems right on to my but that part is part of destruction. So I walk as if I am walking into the light. But that is not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm be careful, let the light in you be darkness, the Bible says. So I'll be walking as if, oh, I'm in the light, but then I'm in the darkness. So we have to be close to everybody. Everybody. Sometimes I just want to do some certain things. And so that's I'm, Oh, they, they take my list. Of course, I promise I don't have anybody, any of my cosmic number. I don't have anybody. Of what effect? Why? So just in the group, I don't have anybody. Okay, some of them, you may need them to just preach to them. But those people, by the time they finish, you say, okay, don't worry, let me, let me bring myself out of the pit first, then I come for you. Because sometimes it is not, it is not, um, that's why we need all of us here. So if you don't have anybody to rebuke you when you do something, if you don't have anybody to encourage you, you will live like, I am an, I'm, no man's band, okay, I know what I'm doing, I'm sure I'm doing that. So we should not despise the brethren. We should not despise corrections. It is pride to do so. Whenever we are rebuked, we should absorb it so well. Even if you are wrong, pastor has always said, even though you are right or you are wrong, just absorb it. Yes. It is also a practice to humility. So let us stand by each other. Let us make sure we are looking at everybody and be ready to call some of us. Some of us, in fact, sometimes I... Okay, on Sunday, I was talking to myself. I was rebuking myself. And then he heard himself, but what's happened? I'm like, no worry. I was talking to myself. Something wanted to happen that day. So, sometimes, so we need to build ourselves up when there's nobody. We should not feel like, and there's nobody for me. The scripture is there. We are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses that day for us. So, men and brethren, let us, let us build up ourselves with ourselves, in ourselves and by ourselves. Amen. Okay, so like I said earlier, I had two notices while she opened the book of Jude and started reading. 
I was supposed to study, do a bit of a study of the book of Jude from about two or three weeks ago. And I kept postponing. And I think it has caught up with me. So I'm going to have to teach it without. Doing that little extra study I wanted to do. But maybe it's for good. If I study too much, it will last too long. Let's see what we can extract. So as she started sharing, I got two notes. Um, two notices. One said, oh, that before she came for this meeting, the sense Jude. As if it was. A- Another said, oh, that in Hall 6, they shared from the book of Jude this morning. Add that to my uh, repeated, I actually opened a study. It's on my sis. It's right there, sitting there. It's been there for about two weeks. So let's see what we can do. It's against my will. But it's always better to blow with the spirit. The book of Jude has one chapter. Or no chapter. Just the book. It's a short letter. Remember. Even the other ones didn't have any chapters. I have to keep reminding myself that we have new people. Your Bible was not written with chapters. There were no chapters in them. Those were added about a thousand years ago. One person added chapters, another one added verses. One was a bishop, I think one was a librarian or a bookseller on a long trip. One said, what am I going to do on this long trip? Let me compartmentalize the Bible. That's why you never read in the Bible where Jesus opens to the book of Isaiah's chapter, anything. You only hear them refer to them as books, to the place where it was written. So they had books in scrolls, books. It wasn't how your books are, with a spine. No, it was scrolls, round. Like cloth, could be cloth, they write on it, or parchment. Then it's rolled. So when you read books in the Bible, that's what you must picture. Something a bit different from, from what we are used to. Okay. So you could just keep rolling to the portion you want. So they had each book in this form, some bigger, some smaller. It's a scroll. And um, so there were no chapters at all. At all. Till around the year 11 something and 12 something. That's where people added chapters. Then later on some people added verses. Some Bibles, verses are different. And you see some chapters. You notice some of your chapters. It looks like the last verse should have been in the previous chapter. As if the first verse should have been the last chapter, huh? You see, notice that. I think that's when the man got sleepy. That's why I'll stop here today. Next day, continue. And human beings being human beings, they didn't change it. They left it there. I don't touch it. It's from the Lord. I do think God guided them in some. And the Jews had, the only, of course, the Psalms, 
Huh? What you call chapters in Psalms. Psalms are different songs. Those are individual. The book of the Psalms. Okay? Psalms is a song book of Israel. The song book is different songs. That one was even divided. They called it book one, book two, book three. I think it has five books. Book five. You know, comprised of different chapters. Those ones were individual. Okay? That one was not one long thing. No. It's different poems or songs. That was sung in Israel. Do you understand this? But the book of Judges, you can have different people's stories. But if you read Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, if it's different visions. So some you can see, oh, the word of the Lord came to me on so and so day. You can understand that being put into chapters for easy access. But those days they didn't check the passage, they searched the scriptures. You had to search. In the process of searching till you find, how many of you know you'll be forced to read large portions? So that's how it was. That's one major advantage. It was much better in a way. Everybody was forced to study more. Now you jump straight into a verse. You don't even go to a chapter. You go and find a verse. And you can read it in any context you like. No context is the popular context. Just drag out a verse like God dropped them in, in those bits. No. God dropped it like I am talking. It flew. Imagine the book of First Corinthians or almost any of the other letters of Paul. He'll keep speaking and he gets to a point and he, exactly like me, swerve off and go on and touch another thing. Then comes back to the point. Ten chapters later. And then you go read one verse in the middle of nowhere. Completely different matter when you read the whole book. And like all of you discovered when you start reading whole books, right? I don't mean over time. I mean at once. Yes? You saw how it makes sense. Makes sense. You understand it in a different way. That's that Because it was written as a letter. That's like going in and picking my letter. Bringing out certain sentences and saying, remember when you said... No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. You have to have checked what I said three pages before to understand what I was saying on the fifth page. You'll miss it if you don't do as you should. But thank God for books like letters like Jude. The epistles, the epistles are very classic of books that we ought not to be chapterized the way it is. But it's here and we've come to see it. But it's why I still like giving you chapters. I even try. I try. I'm still fighting. Just that we keep having new people. I would like to give you books only. Especially the smaller books. Look at the book of this. Look at the book of that. We're not supposed to... Alright, use that information for nothing. What I just shared with you. Understand that the Bible was written as letters. Learn to read the Bible in large... Volumes, you may not be able to go through the whole book every time, but learn to read above and below. Looking for a particular verse, nothing wrong with starting from the top of the chapter. Read it. But also understand that the placings of the chapter sometimes confusing, confuses people's understanding. Where they place those chapters, it gives the impression that it's a new point that is being made. Meanwhile, you ought to have read beyond it, or you should have started some verses in the previous chapter to get a certain lump that will convey the idea. 
So you must be pretend many times that those chapters are not there. Go back, go forward, go beyond the chapter and verse. I'm not even talking about verses. You can just almost ignore those ones. You can almost ignore many of those verses completely. Because they really restrict your thinking. At least you know this. So carry in your heart. Let's do a quick study on Jude. From Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, wrapped in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We typically would think that this Jude is someone else, but this Jude is one of Jesus' brothers. It's almost certainly, yeah, Jude, the brother of Jesus. Jude, in the Greek, is Judas. And when they named the brothers of Jesus, say, are his brothers not here with us? And they're sisters. They mentioned James, Joseph, Judas, and others. So, this is most likely the brother of Jesus. Almost certainly is one of Jesus' family members. Like the James here. The James here is not James, the brother of John. One of the group called Bornages, the pair, the sons of Zebedee. No, the James, you know, is James, the brother of Jesus, from Mary. Now, listen to what Jude calls himself. From Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said, now my big bros, all this familiarity stuff, when you've known who the Lord is, you throw away all that nonsense. And a brother of James, he, see how he introduces himself. He, he's a slave of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and a brother of James. <laughs> I say, brother of Jesus Christ. <laughs> when he discovered that his brother was not a man. <laughs> and you discover suddenly that your older brother was. I suspect the mother started talking after he died. And of course, he appeared to his brother. You know in the book of Galatians? Paul says so, that he appeared to James. He appeared to James. That's how James became one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. When they had the council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, James of Zebedee was dead. Of course, they had beheaded him. But James, brother of Jesus, was a leader. So the Lord obviously had appeared to him long before. He had grown and he was so solid in the ways of the Lord that he was among the leadership. was an elder. Introduces himself as James, an elder. Paul refers to him as pillar, a pillar in the church. Or considered to be a pillar in the church. To those who are called, this letter is written to those who are called. Are you called? This letter is not written to some select group. This is not one of those books we say was originally written to this group or that. This letter is written to those who are called. Wrapped. I like this expression. How does your Bible say it? Sanctified. Huh. KJV says, To them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. That's King James. International Standard Version says, To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept safe by Jesus the Messiah. Okay. 
Okay, there are translations you don't want to hear. T40 says, I am writing to you whom God has chosen to belong to him. You are loved by God our Father and protected by Jesus Christ. Or, put differently, whom God has protected to present to Jesus Christ. That's preserved, set apart, to hand over. Do you, do you get the picture? You know what that's what sanctified means? To be set apart? You can therefore understand why NET says, wrapped in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Did you see that? I really like that. Wrapped in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. These ones that are called and sanctified been called, then they've been set apart for Jesus. They are special. He keeps them in love. It's the love of God. It's always the love of the Father. When you say the grace, say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because the Father's heart towards us is a heart of love. Ephesians says that you accepted in the beloved. In the group of those loved. And it's really important that we understand that God loves us. You know, one of the greatest challenges people have is they doubt God's love for them. And like what I was saying on Sunday during the family meeting about how God feels about people. People, people do not understand how God feels about them. They think he wants to zap them and throw them in burning, endless torture. And well, we've thought that that's one of the greatest errors being peddled in the body of Christ. One of the very greatest errors that comes from traditions of men and was smuggled into the gospel. And, um, you know, people go like, no matter what you say about this love of God, they say, how? Some people go like, please, hold it. Many people don't say it out. They say it within their hearts. How does he love us? They don't want to say because they're already afraid of being burned forever. They, they don't want to add blasphemy to their list of sins. Isn't this true? I'm only saying what's going on in people's hearts. People with the classic belief in hell carried can't really accept the love of God. They say, how, how can someone that loves do that? I'm, my answer, like many other preachers, you know, used to be, well, you can't question the love of God. Didn't God give them a chance until I was confronted with all the endless evidence to the contrary from scripture, but even beyond that, uh, you know, I can't help but wonder I used to say then, I'll say what is normally said, that, well, God knows. And then when you realize all the people that have never even heard the name Jesus, never even had the opportunity to hear the name Jesus, then how do you, how, how do you say that? How will people be punished for 
things I had no idea of. Until you begin to actually, your eyes are open to scripture. And we see what Paul says in Romans 2 and discover the simple and true meaning of the word aeonus, which is translated, especially in the King James, or, or other, or most Bibles, very few do it properly. Very few, and those are not translations that people normally read because it doesn't flow smoothly, you know. But you hear them say the age during. Aeonus means the length of the age for the aeon, the aeona, the aeonian, you know, aeonian. And you realize that there was that mixed up in the translation from the Greek to Latin, where the word aeonian and aeon was translated as eternal, eternum, the Latin instead of age lasting for the period of the age instead of limiting it to the age the age it was converted into forever and that simple error well it's not a simple error that mega error has sent the world into a tailspin of course when you also discover that from past uh, traditions of Babylonian, Egyptian, and other cultures that the hell we describe is exactly the kind of hell they describe. But if you bother to look at the hell or the shuel, actually the word is not hell. You know, the word is shuel of the Jews, the Hebrews, who knew God. You don't find that description anywhere. You don't find that description that we give. That is, so it's still the influence of the Babylonian system that ruled the church for more than a thousand years. You know, and it became the norm. It became accepted, but it wasn't accepted by the apostles. It wasn't taught by the apostles. That's why you can't find them using the word hell at all. Somehow the people that were with Jesus didn't use those words. You know, and it's one of those untouchables. But like every other thing in these last days, it must be touched. You must pull it down. Because it's a lie. And when you lie to people, you can't set them free. People that are free, are free because they got to meet the, the truth. You shall know the truth, the truth will set you free. And it sets you free not from fear only, it sets you free from sin. The major sign is that the people become more sinful or less sinful. And from my experience, the people that know this are less sinful than the ones that believe in the classical. So that's, that's enough for that argument. There's no argument. If people, when people come to understand the truth about the matter of hell, they love God more. And I'm not referring to all sorts of groups around that go into sin because no, they don't understand. If they did, they would love God more and they would sin less. But like we've seen in our own experiences, you love God far more. You hate sin far more. For a God so loving, why would you want to hurt him? He's too good. Human beings use fear to control people. And that's what the Roman church did. Spreading that belief contrary to what the apostles thought. Completely contrary. And they kept at it. Do anything long enough. Tell a lie long enough. 
your president is shot. I don't know, is he still uh, from Sudan? What's his name? Uh, because the elections are over, I'm still wondering. We are switched back to him. Uh, what's the guy's name? How can, how can someone for Jibril? Ah, I keep forgetting. You know, I don't keep fake news in my head. What? Jibril, Jibril. You hear a lie long enough, you believe it. If it's said long enough, passionately enough, by enough people, you think it's true. Someone starts saying that I have two wives, really. You just say it in a low voice. He, has, he actually has two wives. Mm, the other one is in the village. I'm telling you now. They said, they said, they said, they said, they said, find me they. You never find they. But it can spread everywhere and it's believed and believed and believed and believed and believed. Keep saying how much more when it's said with passion in Jesus' name. You'll believe anything. And that's what happened with the matter of hell. So it was the only way of thinking. When you read in the King James, you know, they, they say, instead of using the proper word Hades, you know, they go borrow the word, they dispute as to where it was borrowed from the, all the way back to all sorts of mythologies. They say Hella, Hell, Norse mythology from here, from there, different contentions as to where it came from. But that word in the Hebrew, if you wanted to transliterate from Hebrew, we'd have used the word Sheol. And if you wanted to take it from the Greek, which is the other language, the Bible, major language the Bible is written, you'd have used the word Hades, which many of the more modern translations. But do you know one of the ways the devil made sure that thing stayed? By telling everyone that the King James Version is the God-approved version. You see how one error leads to another, one evil leads to another. So till today all over the world, the King James is the anointed version. How stupid. The English-speaking part of the world, how big is it? What about all the other languages? What about the Spanish speakers? What about Italian speakers? Huh? What about French speakers? Do they use King James? King James was an English king. They have never used King James. Ever. Can you see how ridiculous it is already? Cameroon, which Bible do they use? Can they use King James? They can't use King James. King James is an English Bible. You don't understand. It's hovering over your head. I can see it hasn't landed. Do you realize that if you don't speak English, you cannot use King James? It's impossible. You can never. King James was written in English from the very beginning. So all the other languages of the world, what Bible did they now use? They couldn't use King James. That means they have always been using a wrong Bible. English speakers have been using the right one. A bad argument is a bad one. And they made it such a big deal. Maybe just to sell the Bible. Just to keep it popular. It's still almost one of the most popular. Because they perpetuated a belief that it's the only... And we've done studies, we've talked about this, okay? We put out, if you guys can dig up and put again on the hall, that right up on, on the King James Bible. It's just wrong. It, like, it's so wrong. I mean, of course, I was one of that. I was one of those. Remember, many, many years ago, one of the first Christian books I bought was on how the King James Bible is the correct version. And, and the things they say. And when people have to tell lies, meanwhile, between the first translation and the second, about two, three years later, 
after the first one, they were about 20 something thousand errors. So even the one we are using is not the original, the first edition of the King. It's changed massively. You couldn't understand almost half of what they said. Because language has changed. So they've been editing it. And they are tampering with the anointed Bible. The more I understand how wicked humanity is, the more fearful. When the Bible says, I knew what man is. Man can do anything to, for whatever wicked or selfish reason. If it was just confusion, dear Bible, want to remain relevant. So they'll be unwilling to change things. And all, all, it's all those, it's always those understand it with great passion and ignorance. And their Bibles are far, far better in. It's always amazing when you find out the real story. And before that, you hear someone, you like the person. Next thing you hear him say something like what I'm saying right now. That the King James, now you go like, hey, yeah, I used to like that guy. The only thing is he doesn't believe in King James. You've not checked out anything. He said, no, I used to go through the same thing. I'll hear a preacher and I like. And then one day I hear him say, David Parson says, ah, David Parson, you know David Parson was preaching in the 70s, right? He so. Do you know some of those recordings you're hearing with? Recording in the 70s. So I'm hearing David Parson talk and he says, Wow, the, the nearly infallible version of the Bible. That's why he called NIV. New International Version. The nearly infallible version has just come out. <laughs> David Parson says it has just come out. Which year the NIV come out? See, it has just come out. And he's preaching the message like I'm preaching now. And it's one of those David Parson audience. So you can know it from either 70s or very early 80s. That's when he preached it. He's talking and he's saying the Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> saying Ronald Reagan. <laughs> oh dear God, you guys are so far. <laughs> Doesn't even mean anything to you. You're like, who, who are those? <laughs> dear me. <laughs> You guys are like, we, we've heard of Obama. <laughs> oh my. So he's talking and I'm like, oh yeah. Or maybe by then I already knew, I was already reading multiple translations. But there are people back then, I, I feel disappointed. They just read another, they read King James and read another translation. Ah, I'm like, don't they know? Hey, yeah, poor people, they've not been exposed to the knowledge of the evils of this earth. No, you feel all those things. It's terrible to be ignorant too. God, so embarrassing. How many of you used to sit here and pity me sometimes? You used to sit down here. You heard me say, when you came newly now, it's not now. Listen, on uh, I'm not pitying my circumstances. You're pitying, you stood and say, oh, this is my partner. He doesn't know. He hasn't heard. You felt, I, Come on, it could be because I said, let's open this and read. And you're like, oh, he doesn't know about the different Bibles. He knows something. But he doesn't, oh, yeah. You, or it could be anything. Any other point. Yeah. How many of you still believe it? I don't know. I have been there. I've graduated. I've gone to another university. <laughs> Just moved. It's a terrible thing. You sit there and say, this is such a, this person loves God. Oh, hey, yeah. I wish someone could tell him. I remember sitting and thinking those kinds of thoughts. Ignorance. 
So please, someone should make sure you remember to repost that thing on King James Bible. Because we, how many of you didn't read it? Didn't read it? King James Bible. Okay, it was a borrowed post. We just posted again. Make sure you read it. And there's other stuff, but it's a fact. Like it's easy to prove. It's not hard. It's not like some secret thing. Forget about the fact that the King James was a drunkard and possibly a homosexual and all those things. Don't bother about those parts. That, that doesn't really matter. The part that matters. No, I'm just saying he wasn't a holy man. Uh-huh. Or that he gave instructions, because you might not find it all in that one writing, that he gave instructions they should keep to the pattern of the church. They, he called the committee and said they shouldn't tamper with the existing structure. That's why you have words like bishop in your King James Bible. It has no business being there. There's no translation that arrives at bishop. The word overseer does not mean bishop. What is it? A bishop was a position in the Roman church that covered the whole earth. And had crossed over maybe into the Anglican system too. Had crossed over. Because the Anglican came straight up the Roman system because a king wanted to marry a second wife, divorced the first. But the the word, um, so you find words that shouldn't be in the Bible. When you hear those words, there are things you think that are not right. It's like when you hear, uh, 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 well, I didn't want to use, a re- okay, fine, let me use that. So in the King James Bible, you say, let your converse, Hebrews 13. Have you seen that? What does that mean? Don't have discussions that are greedy. But the word conversation means your lifestyle, your conduct. That's what it means. It says, let your speech be with grace. Hebrews, Hebrews 4. Uh, um, be that example of the, no, First Timothy 4. Be that example of the believers in word, in conversation. Okay? But you just finished saying word. Then you say in conversation. What does that mean? Uh, in a better way to say it. <coughs> What was meant? The word conversation then. It says, order your conversation are right. It doesn't mean your speech at all. It means your lifestyle. That's all it means. Please do not listen to this and say, well, that's your own opinion. Don't be silly. Go and look up the word in the Greek. It doesn't mean that at all. It was how they spoke in 1611. That's old English. That's how they're speaking in 17, 18 something. That, that's not how we speak now. So if you want to make a, put out a Bible now, and you want me to understand, you can't go sticking to those old words. You have to say your conduct. Because language changes over time. Take your pot to the stream and fetch water. Make sure you don't break that pot too. Chinyere, have you heard me? Yes, mama. But today, tell someone, carry a pot and go and fetch water. Make sure you don't break that pot. Everybody will go like, huh? Which, how can a pot break? Because your picture, the picture that is conjured when you hear pot is alum, aluminum. That's all. That's all. You don't see any other thing in your mind. You don't, you don't see a clay pot. But say this, 50 years ago, it's a clay pot. Such a pot was a unique thing, special, I mean, aluminum pot. You, do you understand this? That's what happens with the King James, and people stick to things. That's why many of the newer ones, the new King James, at least, they moved on. 
anklet. You'll be hearing water. You have no a buckle on your shield. You don't even understand it. Even now, you don't understand. Because there's no flaming dart. You're not thinking. Every word you hear paints a picture. So how do you get the right picture? You have to compare it to the language of the time. So at the very least, if you must keep reading the pure, unadulterated King James. And sometimes they translated some words right. It carries the meaning better. Then read it side by side with others. Read this, then read that. Read this, then read that. I was gifted a four translation version. Before that, I had a concordance. So I used the concordance a lot to look up words. But I had a four translation. I read, 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 read. I could see NIV, King James, NIV, New American Standard, and New Living Translation. Beautiful. In fact, it really helped at that time in my life. Actually, talk. <clears throat> Maybe I can restore it. I'll restore it and use it again. I want you to understand that um, God loves people. And the major, major opposition to people believing in that love is the doctrine of hell. The way it is taught. And we have thought on this. If you haven't heard it, you need to ask for the audio from some retreat last year or so. Listen to it for yourself. Look up those scriptures for yourself. And you'll probably do more studies or write, write things on it and put it out there. People need to see. You need to understand it. There's a book online if you can check and find it. Hope Beyond Hell. Hell. That will help you. Hope Beyond Hell. Uh, Jerry Buchanan, something like that. If you're hearing this, find the soft copy, read it. Your life will change. You, you can't argue against that amount of evidence. All the evidence is from scripture and then history. Okay? Something is not true because of how long it's been said. Hmm? Something is not true because of how long it's been said. It's not true because of how many people say it. It's never true. They said Jesus was a thief and a liar. Many people rejected him. Something, the Allah is not suddenly God because of how many people believe in Islam. It's not true because of who's, how, what you grow up with is what you go with, you tend to go with. So the Muslims that blow people up, Allah Akbar, believing that they are doing God's will and will go, have, be married to 70 virgins. That's what they've been told. You look at it and you laugh, you scoff at it and think they are absolutely ridiculous. You too, you have beliefs that are absolutely ridiculous. The way you think is that if it was a lie, Jesus would come from heaven and say this thing is a lie. Why has he not gone to the Muslims to tell them this is a lie? He loves you more than them, right? Why should he love you more than them? The same way that Muslims have had some encounters with Jesus, some, a few, and changed. That's the same way you can, something you believe that is wrong can, should change too. Someone just needs to point and say, hey, check it out. Don't just believe it. As we saw in scripture again, just recently again, oh, okay, it was in a, Meeting with the teachers yesterday, teaching call. Those in Beria, Acts 17, 11, they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul said was so. There's no other approach. That's all we teach. Make sure you go confirm it. No, no, who are you to question Paul? Don't be silly. Question everyone. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. First Thessalonians 5. Test all things. 
Test it. Hold fast. Keep the ones that are good. Throw away the rest. If you don't know, put in your question mark drawer. Leave it there till God gives you clarity. I have shared with you before many times how I was asking God about this hell matter. It must have been around 1998, because I remember I was in M2 hostel, walking upstairs, and I'm, I'm all concerned. And I get an answer that calmed me down for 14 or 17 years. That's when the Lord continued the discussion. It's what patience will do for you. And he told me, do you love people more than me? I went like, no. Then I went like, he went like, hey, so can you trust me that I'll handle things well? You don't love people more than me. I love mankind more than you. I'm like, yes, Lord. I left it there. I didn't know. I still told people, well, all I know is that if you, live, you die, you go to hell, you born forever. Of course, any good Christian knows what to preach. And then 2014, I see one word. January, early. The word forever from the Greek word aeonos is age lasting. And you actually open scriptures and check. Wow. Everything exploded. So every time you read eternal fire, you're reading aeonian fire. That's what you're reading. Age lasting fire. You're not reading forever fire. That, that was imposed on you. When the man called Jerome, who does not seem to have been a very good Christian, not because of this, in other ways, he's historically considered one of the church fathers, translated the Bible from Greek to Latin. And he picked, he had two options to translate that word to, he picked the wrong one. And that's it, he went into the Bible, Latin Vulgate, that's it, from 300 something, 400 something. But the, of course all the other arguments are Peter, James, John, none of them, Paul, Never use the word, ever. Never told people repent or you go to hell. Never. How could he not? How could Paul carry the gospel to barbarians and never use hell? Ever. The first time I heard that, I was like, it's a lie. I went and started searching. How many of you, first time you heard me say that? You went and searched. You were sure that you had been seeing hell in the New Testament. Just like you couldn't find it after that. <laughs> they deleted all of it the moment I said it. You only find Jesus, and it's only King James that loves, he loves the word hell. Till you look at Gehenna and Hades, two different words. He uses them almost equally, one twelve times, one eleven times. And of course, when I say uses, that different renderings of the same story in Matthew, Mark, Luke. Yes? And that's where you see it. So actually, you may have used it two or three times only, but these are just repeated. Do you understand? Matthew, Mark, Luke is the same story. So he used it very few times. And then you see Paul, uh, Peter's words, that the angels, similar to Jude, second Peter, that the angels were reserved in hell. King James say hell. But the word is not hell, the word is Tartarus. Tartarus, used only once in the Bible. And Tartarus is not Shell, it's not Hades, and it's from Greek mythology. Again, we've spoken on it, get the message. But you don't see Peter ever, he talks, all God talks about is the idea of judgment. And so what's that day of judgment? Was Peter and Paul, were they afraid to use the word? No, he talks about a time of fiery indignation. He talks about fire, yes, but he doesn't use those words we use. And I cannot show you immediately in Isaiah 33, he says that the sinners in Zion are afraid. Who can dwell in everlasting burning? 
The fire was in Zion. Is Zion hell now? How can there be fire in Zion? Zion is the perfection of beauty. Out of it, God has shined. There's also fire there. Not to talk about Daniel 7 and Revelation 14, 20, and all the fire everywhere, and the fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses went up into it. And all you have to do, next study, of course, if you're new this, you're just hearing, even before you look at what anyone says, study fire from Genesis to Revelation. Just take a notebook, open a concordance, and copy down all the passages, then go through them one by one. By the time you finish reading, your opinion about what you think the judgment of God is will change immediately. Because you notice that fire everywhere. The throne of Jesus is the fire itself. The throne he's sitting on is fire. A river of fire flowing out. Flowing out. A river of fire. What does that mean? Jesus sits on hell. Jesus is in hell. Your Bible calls it a river. Your Bible calls it a lake. Some people focus on the lake. Daniel already called it a river. It's the same thing. When water flows, it gathers. All of this is written. But again, people read the Bible in segments, just like we do with chapters. We cut the Bible into tiny separates. We don't join line upon line. We don't add up the different pieces to get the picture. Understanding that we prophesy in part. That what Moses saw, added to what Zechariah saw, added to what different people see. You have to see the different pieces. And have an idea. Then God hopefully may reveal more to you. These are the things that the body of Christ has not been trained in. And therefore cannot understand the love of God. And they have erroneous ideas. And they think no matter what. What's the use of trying? After all, you are, they will still throw me into fire at the end. If you can get rid of that thinking. And know that even the fire being described there. Mark 9, 49 is a clincher. Everyone will be tried by fire. Everyone. And every sacrifice will sort of itself. And if you weren't sure, First Corinthians 3 now says, on top of that, that that man will be saved, but as yet as by, by fire. He will be saved by fire in the day of judgment. For the day will reveal it. How? How? Yes, because the lake of fire is a process of salvation for those who did not receive the Lord now. They will go through the lake of fire to receive. But remember, everyone will be tried by fire. Everyone, not some people, not unbelievers. Everyone. Jesus said so. He promised. He came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Somehow we forgot that before he was born, they pro- John the Baptist promised you. You guys grab the Holy Ghost and drop the fire. No, no, you deleted the and. You just said Holy Ghost fire, yes. Confusion. Confusion. He was to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It is clear. That was a distinct thing. That when the day they got baptized with the Holy Ghost, they saw like cloven tongues of fire on their head. That was a promise that the fire is coming. The Holy Spirit to flow out like rivers of living waters from their bellies. They were marked for fire. And fire broke out in their life. Didn't you see what happened to the church after that? They persecuted them like crazy. That's fire. That, the fire of sanctification will purge out all your nonsense. 
to burn out. Demons and nonsense will not be in your life anymore. And that's why till today people run away from the fire. People don't like being around Christianity or churches or people that preach the whole truth. Because it will burn like that brother was just sharing. Better was sharing. And as sister was saying earlier on who was building on it. You know, it will burn nonsense out of you. When you're in the presence of God, you can't endure. He'll make you so uncomfortable. You want to stay away from church. want to stay away from things. Because you know when they come, they're going to point fire and burn out everything that is not of God. That's the fire. The fire is when you come and sit here and you hear the truth. Or you're listening to a preacher that every time they make you so uncomfortable. Not because they are telling a lie, but because they are telling the truth. It's hitting home. And it makes you have to, ah, after you have heard it two or three times, you finally say, God, please help me, forgive me. The fire has done its work. That's fire. Now, what do unbelievers do? They run away completely from any such sound. So they postpone all their fire treatments to the future. When eventually they'll be grabbed, come here, enter. They'll swim, swim. By the time you finish swimming, your skeleton comes on the other side. You'll be free of sin, of your flesh, your fleshly nature. The process of fire is not what we've been told. People have been lied to. But not purposely. Probably 99%. They actually believe it. They know somewhere in their mind. They get confused. Like how? I don't understand. The fire saves. The Bible says so. Paul says so. The fire saves you. The fire does not destroy you. It saves you. It cleanses you. Jesus had a dual baptism to perform. Do you hear when he said... I came to kindle a fire, Luke 12, and how I am constrained until it is kindled. He said he will start in his house. Do you remember? I don't understand. I thought this is hell now. And he said he will start in his house. I thought the people in his house don't go to hell. He said I will start in my house. He said he will walk through. He will purge his floor thoroughly. Where is that? Matthew 3. He says he will purge his floor thoroughly. I don't think it's Matthew 3. Maybe it's Luke. Was prophesying of him. And saying what he would do. When he comes. Yes. Luke 3 verse 16 and 17. John answered them all. I baptize you with water. But one more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clean out his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his storehouse. Take note. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clean out what? His threshing floor. His threshing floor. Do you remember that where the site of the temple was? On the threshing floor of Onan or Rauna, depending on, you know, same name. They bought, David paid for the threshing floor of Ronan. That was the site of the temple. His temple, his house. These are not erroneous words, okay? What do you thresh on the threshing floor? Typically, wheat. His church, his people. He's with a winnowing fork. That's why you distinguish. You beat and remove and distinguish. You clean out his threshing floor. He's going to clean it up. There won't be any fake. Right now, there are so many fakes. That's how we know it's not yet. Jesus is on, is coming. Not the way you think. And to clean up his threshing floor. Clean out the rubbish. In the next couple of years, we will begin to distinguish between those who serve God and those who don't. It's here, little there, little bit. It's going to increase. 
going to increase. He's already been doing it for a long time. For a long, long, long time. You guys don't understand how blessed we are. For the longest time, for nearly from around the year 400 something. In a significant way. I'm not being giving I'm giving estimates. Till around 15 something, 16 something. The Roman Catholic Church was officially the only church. Do you know how long that is? And then you had, boom, Lutheran, a little. And then, here and there. They, not that there were not groups of people that knew God or all that, but they would kill them. While the ancients and different ones, they would go after them, deal with them thoroughly. Massacre them. Do all sorts of terrible things. Terrify everyone. If you want to serve God, you have to find somewhere. But officially, that was the only church. Any other thing, they could accuse you of witchcraft, of anything. And born you at this. You guys are so blessed. God has winnowed as of right now, all over this earth. People believe you can serve God in different places. Even if they believe, okay, you can go to Roman Catholic Church, you can go to Redeem, you can go to... That is, there's options. But before now, it was one. And that was all. Because the Lord has been winnowing his threshing floor, doing some distinction, to be able to come out and even open your mouth and think differently. If you were born 500 years ago in Europe, it would be utterly different. It would be utterly different. And um, he says, and why he does it is to gather the wheat into his storehouse. His storehouse, take note, his threshing floor, his storehouse. He has a threshing floor where he cleans up and chaff the church. The temple of God, the people of God, the gathering of God's people was supposed to be his threshing floor. You weren't supposed to come here and I rub your head and send you to sleep. I was supposed to beat out the nonsense from your life. So all those that don't like nonsense being beaten out of your life, what did you come here to do? Go and look for a motivational speaker. Go somewhere else. What do you want? The church is a threshing floor. What do you thresh? You thresh out the chaff. What is chaff? The chaff is the upper thing that covers the important part. Who has not seen rice chaff before? You've never seen a grain of rice that was covered with something. Covered like this. All the rice you've always seen was exposed. You've never even come across one rice like this. One straight, straight thing on top that you had to peel off. No, I'm asking those that have never seen it. Let me see your hand. Alright, so I don't know who is going to find rice with chaff. Please, someone should find rice. A little chaff, three or four or five grains. Bring it here. Uh, if you have it at home, just bring. You have chaffy rice. Okay, you, but you've seen the chaff of beans. Everybody has seen the chaff of beans. Good. Everyone has seen that. That rice you're seeing was, was, was covered. Then the chaff has been removed. If you came with like that, <laughs> It won't be funny. I don't know how you eat it. The same thing with beans. That is meant to be removed. Your fleshly nature. It's what the house of God was for. And here people are disliking going around to places that are not threshing floors. Going to places where they keep you with your child. Don't you know you're finished? I'll soon show you. You're finished. You go to a place where they keep you with your child. You're finished. Because the best thing that you can be done to you is 
Don't you know the tree with stuff with chaff? Who eats chaff? No, you can't absorb chaff. You can call it roughage or fiber. It might clean out your intestines. That means it's for the toilet. But it's not, it's not, it's not food. There's nothing good in it. That's what Paul meant in me. That is in my flesh dwells no good thing. There's no nutrients in chaff. Nothing at all. It serves no purpose. Nothing. It's not like a little nutrition. No. Zero nutrition from chaff. No good thing. And look at what he says. But the chaff, he gathers the wheat into his storehouse, but the chaff, he will burn up with inextinguishable fire. The chaff, he will burn up with fire. That's why you mustn't have chaff. Because if you have chaff, he will take you. That, like, listen, listen. Right now, he's burning. So the truth, whenever the truth of God is preached, Jeremiah 23 says, my words are fire. And then he now says, distinguish between your words. Like, and God's words. And he now says, what has the real to do with the chaff? Chaff is meant to be removed and thrown into fire. To help keep the flame burning. That's what chaff is for. So if you go to a proper congregation, they will constantly be chaff. You see all the times in this congregation we say, let's repent about this, let's repent about that. That's chaff, we are burning out. If you say, I'm tired of repenting, what you're saying is there's no chaff in my life. You can imagine my deep horror for people that go to churches where they tell them there's no need to be repenting. Who has heard of the rumors of churches like that? It's incomprehensible. I soak the dread I feel for those people. Imagine the chaff in their life that should have been burnt up. God would have used his servants. What did we see the other day? He makes his servants a Hebrews 1. He makes his servants a flame of fire. A flame of fire. That's what he makes his servant. That's our job description. To burn the chaff out of you. As we come near you, he burns out chaff. When we open our mouth, the fire of God comes out. How many of you have seen preaching going on and fire coming out of the mouth? In a vision. seen fire from the mouth. Yes. That's what the word of God is. Fire comes out and he burns up the chaff. It's meant to burn it. Like we are fire breathing. Not dragons, but... It meant to burn the fire out of you. Or the chaff out of you. It's a good thing. So that we find what is good. What is eternal. What is useful. And we carry it, the wheat into the storehouse. And preserve it. Keep it well. But what happens when you don't like fire? No. This is always saying scary things. Always making people uncomfortable. Every time someone will be feeling guilty. You should feel guilty if you are guilty. Excuse me. Why should you be guilty and not feel guilty? Why are you telling lies to yourself? If you are short, are you short? Sorry, no, you are really tall. Just that you are short. What are you talking about? Imagine if Zacchaeus did not agree he was short. Would he have gone ahead and climbed the tree? Would he have had an invitation? Oh, I'm sorry. Now, Jesus invited himself to his house. Okay, look at that. Would he have had an invitation to his own house? By God Almighty walking on earth. That's what happens. You tell yourself the truth. You say, ah, you sound like all these motivational things that white people say. 
I am confident. I am strong. I can do anything. So you say, I am tall. I am tall. In spite of the fact that I can't say above the table, I am tall. No, you're not. You're short. So go early. Sit there in front. Climb on top of a stool. Be realistic. A tree. Take a cue from Zacchaeus and climb a tree. You don't go lying to yourself. If you're guilty, you're guilty. Tell yourself, I am guilty. The real question you should be asking is, is there a way out of guilt? Oh, yes, there is. If you confess your faults, it's faithful and just to forgive your faults and cleanse you from all righteousness. Oh, so you deal with it. So I'm saying, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. What did I do? Who does not do? Jesus said, you will not come to me. You die in your sins. When you realize you need a savior, then you cry out for a savior. When you lie to yourself, there's nothing wrong with me. Then, who can help you? Who can help you? So I'm sure you understand is that lies won't help us. Truth will. Truth always does. The truth about God's love will set the world free. Oh, the freedom that will abound when this truth becomes commonplace. The automatic reaction now, you even begin to tell someone, they go like, please, please, I don't want to hear. And then they label you. You must be a Jehovah's Witness. Are you, are you a Seventh-day Adventist? Are you? And they reject it. Not because they are right, but because... How can you be right? Are you saying you know more than... And they are going to misquote someone. Just hope they quote the Bible. Then you can open and show them the truth. But before that... People don't like changing easily. But God will make this very commonplace. And many, many people will come to love the Lord. Just like you have come to love the Lord much more. And because you love him so much, you will not want to hurt him or sin against him. Remember, the great proof is by the fruit. So look at the fruit of what you believe. That's how you know. If it's really the truth. Does it make you more free? Does it give you victory over sin? Then it's the truth. But does it make you more bound? Does it make you say, I am free? But you are bound by sin. Then you are not free. John 8, 32, 33, 34 tells you. That if you are bound to sin, you are not free. You are a slave to sin. So whatever you are listening to, if it frees you from sin. Not frees you to say, I am free. But if it frees you and you stop sinning, you are sinning less and less and less. And aiming for no sin at all. Then whatever you are listening to that is making you that free from sin is the truth. Sin internal and external. But if whatever you are listening to is making you more bound, it doesn't matter what you call it. Please, I am free. Since I came to know this truth, I've been free. I don't walk around with a guilty conscience. No, you're not meant to be free of a conscience. <laughs> you're meant to be free of, from sin. We are wrapped in the love of God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. When you wrap people in God's love, they will stay for Jesus. May mercy, peace, and love be lavished on you. Mercy, peace, and love. Mercy, peace, love be lavished, not a little, a lot of it on you. This is his prayer for them, for us, the called ones. Dear friends, although I have been eager to write to you about our common salvation. Everyone hear this well? I've been eager, just like I am eager to teach certain things and do certain things, talk about certain things. I have been eager to write to you about our common salvation. This is what Jude is saying. 
I now feel compelled instead to write to encourage you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Do you hear? Listen, what you're about to read is not the faith that was once entrusted. Sorry. What you're about to read now is not about our common salvation. He would have liked to write and say, Oh, I thank God. We enjoy Jesus. Have you seen how wonderful Jesus is? And he would have, that would have been the story. He would have written about the salvation that we all share. Okay? That was his desire. But he couldn't. He was compelled to write something else. So what you're about to read is different from our common salvation. Some churches, some preachers love to always preach about Jesus has done for us. Are you listening? Have you seen what? He forgave your sins. Yes. He yes. He yes. You know the word, the helper, salvation. He saves us from many things, including sickness, weakness, sin, and different things. Oh, I would love to talk about that. I want to talk about what Jesus has done. Calvary. Calvary. Oh, the wonder of Calvary. And you sing about Calvary. Brethren, have, have you seen what Jesus has done? Yes. You, hey. All you want to talk about is what Jesus has done. Yes? That's our common salvation. Thank God for it. It's just that there are more pressing matters. You don't go talking about fire. The house is on fire. Please, people, let's gather. Let's discuss what we eat tomorrow morning. Daddy, the, the wall is burning. The curtain in your room is burning. Keep quiet. Let's maintain decorum. Let's not be distracted. One, one, one mind, one mind. What are you talking about? I said the house. Daddy, can you smell the smoke? We already fixed this meeting. We have not had a family meeting in one month. It's not today that we want to have a meeting that you now be talking about other things. Daddy, I said the room, fire is burning. That's our house. We even have a house to have a family, not much more a meeting. How much more a meeting? There won't be any house. Family. That's what is happening with you here. I now feel compelled instead to write to encourage you to contend, as our sister said earlier, to contend, to contend earnestly to fight. We have to engage. Ah, Kataha. We have to engage. To contend. Not just contend. Earnestly for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. What are we contending for? The faith. There's a kind of faith that was once entrusted to the set-apart ones. There was a kind of faith. Eh? Why? Because it's being lost. We have to fight and get it back. We have to contend for the faith that was once entrusted. There was a kind of faith. Faith comes by. Therefore, what you're contending for is to bring back a message that results in a certain response. Not just any, excuse me, what are we contending for? What does it say here? Let me read again. For the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Do you know how it was entrusted once and for all? Do you understand? The faith that was entrusted to the saints of God, to set apart ones. 
the preaching, the hearing, what you are meant to hear was one quality, it wasn't ten types. Excuse me, before you came here, the, your definition of faith, is it the one you have now? The, what you call faith, what you, when you used to say, I have faith, is it what you think now? This one is the faith that was once entrusted to the saints. That thing you used to believe. What, do you, what was your faith for that time again? For money, for good results, good marriage, and quickly, yes. To be a millionaire, that one is from 14. Favor. I already said faith. It's all physical, right? That was what faith was for. You have faith for. Can I, which of those things did you mention that this kid does not want? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I didn't say it well. Which of those things did you just say that David Doe does not have? He's not married. <laughs> I don't know. How do you know? Are you following up like that? Is David Doe not married? Okay, this kid got is he married? Oh no wow. Find me the one that's married, please. Banky W. He's married, have you? Uh-huh. Does he have all those things? Okay, so Jesus came to die. Oh, oh sorry. So that means they have faith. All those people have the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I hear you people are busting your heads off. You have not arrived yet. Can you can you see you've been sold a lemon? Can, can you see? All those guys have all those things you mentioned. And they are not even Christians. Look at that. So what do you need to tell you? That what people are running after is not the faith that was once delivered or given to the set apart ones. You don't need anyone to tell you. What you have is not the same thing. It's not the, it's not, it's not the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It is not. The faith that was once delivered to the saints is something else completely. That's what we strive to preach here. When it touches you, your life changes and you know it changes. It is not that crap. Something that every unbeliever is running after. You're telling me that's what Jesus came to give us. All the unbelievers in Jesus' time were running after the same things. How can you tell me how we set apart then? Then we are one with the world. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a bright. Let's, okay, let's start giving whatever you're doing. We. This is. Alright. Oh dear. Let me not get walked up yet. I haven't even gotten to the part where you're supposed to get walked up. <laughs> hey, Jesus, help us. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. So, can you imagine how long ago Jude wrote this? It was already being lost. How much more? 2,000, nearly 2,000 years later. The thing is slipping away. The thing is slipping away. There's a thing that we are meant to contend for. There's a message. Faith comes by hearing. So you can't contend for faith in a vacuum. You have to contend for the message. 
There's a message you must contend for. That message gives birth to true faith. The devil knows what he's doing. The Bible says that his messengers are transformed into messengers of light. His messengers. Messengers of unrighteousness, he calls them. Jude is like the book of Second Peter chapter 2. When you go back, you can read it. It almost sounds as if it's the same, as if one copied the other. Almost word for word. So we have Peter and Jude saying the same thing. By the mouth of at least two witnesses, the matter is established. Do you need anyone to tell you that this is serious matter? This is a very serious matter. Why did Peter spend almost a whole book talking about this? Why did Paul? Why did Jude? Why did they talk on these things? Paul spoke about these things in Philippians. He spoke about it in other books. He spoke about these things. He warned. He told us that these days will come. He said it to Timothy. That the spirit speaks expressly. That days will come. When people will hand themselves over to eating ears. In Titus. He warned about it. People, that day came a long time ago. It abounded for thousands of years. We came out of hundreds, a thousand plus years. We've come out of that darkness, that deep confusion. We've moved further, but in the midst of it, they are still there, here and there. There was a time it was just a few that did this. They lived like this, did anything they liked, pretended to speak for God. But we can no longer, she may have, she may be the mother of harlots. As we have studied in previous times. But she has daughters. Boku, boku. Plenty. She has daughters. The Bible tells you that she's the mother of harlots. She's the mother of harlots. She gives birth to children. She has children. They are like your mother. But you can't be his disciple if from Jesus said from this time on. In one house, there will be children, and the mother will be divided from the, the daughter and the daughter from the, have you not read that? The son from the father, the father from the son. That's one of the clearest signs. So don't let anyone tell you, no, you should never divide, separate from a church. Don't be a clown. It's a sign of the fire that Jesus, Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace? Luke chapter 12. Have you read it before? He said, I came to bring a sword. From this time on, in one household, I've told you, churches are households, families. He's the one doing a lot of the dividing, cutting them up, creating opposition. Mama, I know Grill, I know Grill. Because of Jesus, I cannot agree with you. And then you have all those that refuse to divide too, refuse to separate. They refuse to come aside. They refuse to. Because they have wrong understanding. They don't know they ought to. That Jesus had prophesied that you should leave. Jesus had prophesied it. We have to choose who we will serve. If you choose to serve your fears and your comfort. Why would you speak to your mother so hard? Because you love her more than Jesus. Look at it there. I want to read it for you. Mixing with some of the other things I read. From verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth. Do you see your fire? Mm. Have I ever told you that your lake of fire is going to be on earth? Mm. 
Oh, I didn't tell you. But I told you the great white throne judgment will be on earth. Oh, I, and you haven't still gotten that the foundations of his throne, his very throne, is fire. Daniel 7. Ah, you see, you have your lake of fire somewhere else. Ha ha ha. I'm glad to shock you. Give me great delight to offend your senses once again. Where do you think it was going to be? Okay, let me just keep reading Jesus. I have come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is finished. His own baptism of fire. Then you share it. Do you think, for all those that are you're sitting there, you're still wondering what I'm saying. Verse 51. Do you think I have come to bring peace on earth? <gasps> no! I tell you, but rather division. <gasps> check well, check well. People are bending over and checking. Check well, check. Is there? Is there? What? I thought you were the prince of peace. I thought you were. Before peace, there is war. One peace. You must fight first. You fight for peace. For from now on, there will be five in one household divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. All right. That was for free. Back to the book of Jude. I now feel compelled instead to write, to encourage you to contend Earnestly, people, it is time to contend earnestly, not gently, earnestly. We are going to have to talk, write, make noise, talk, talk, talk for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Not this brand new one that showed up around uh, when? This thing you guys preach, you call it prosperity gospel, this nonsense. You read that vision by that woman, she gave in 1960s. I shared it with you. It's online. Go and check it out. She saw it in the 1960s. That time there was only one channel. You go to a country, not Africa, foreign countries. They had just invented TV. So there was a one channel on TV. And the woman saw that the time is coming when there will be many channels on TV. Very many. What do we call it? Cable TV. Cable TV. Good TV. All this. DSTV. All this stuff. Yeah. She saw it. It seemed very strange. How? How is that possible? And then she saw some other things. All sorts of things. She saw all sorts of things. Amongst the things she saw, she said a time will come that the thing they'll be preaching in church will be that God wants you to be wealthy and comfortable and doesn't want you to suffer. She said this. At the time, nobody preached anything like that. Nobody. Wasn't imagined. When the Roman church was in charge, they made people take vows of poverty and chastity and silence and all sorts of things. They lived large, but it was hidden. Do you understand? Mm. 
It was kind of hidden. It wasn't. They didn't say it was for everyone. Do you understand? It wasn't for everyone. This is the first time that it's for everyone. Sorry. Everyone now supposed to reach. You will drive your own car. And um, the way it is said is that <laughs> if you just give something and you give properly, you hit the right amount, magic will happen. Suddenly you'll be a millionaire. I agree, you'll be a millionaire in your dream world. Because on earth you'll be hungry. Because the Bible promises you in Proverbs that he that gives to the rich will surely be poor. So poverty will come your way. By reason of disobedience. And foolishness. Why was he warning them? Where were these enemies? What exactly is this thing he's talking about? Our sister began to comment on this. How? What's this issue? He says it in plain language. For certain men, cause them certain men, have secretly slipped in among you. They've secretly slipped in among you. Men who long ago were marked out for the condemnation I am about to describe. Do you see their calling? How? Oh, what a calling. They were marked out for, a, for condemnation. A kind of condemnation. And he's about to describe it to us. So pay close attention. And stop saying, we don't know. We don't know. Let's be careful what we say. We don't know. You are about to know. The beauty of scripture. See how much God cares for us. He sent us a letter in advance. He sent all those who are called a letter in advance. About to describe for you. The people you must avoid. You have to keep up. You're going to move fast. Ungodly men who have turned the grace of our God into a license for evil. Do you hear that? This is better than licentiousness, sister. That licentiousness. You'll be wondering, license? Okay, shortness. I don't understand. <laughs> They've turned the grace of our God. Does this sound like a message you've heard around? Yeah. They've turned the grace of our God. You were told how they would do it. They turned the grace of our God into a license for evil. Don't look too far and don't ask too many questions. Anyone you see that says they are preaching grace and it permits you to do evil, they were marked for condemnation long ago. The brother or person the son of Mary, the one known as the Virgin Mary, spoke of them nearly 2,000 years ago. And he found it very important to describe them. So you stop saying, we don't know. We don't know. God knows their hearts. 
We know your actions. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward. All we have to do. Let's check if he gives us a few outward signs. I'm not blind. Why did he? He didn't want us to check. And he said by their fruits you shall know them. How do you know the fruit of a tree? You look carefully. You sniff. You walk near. You ask someone that has beaten it. How did it taste? Is it sweet? Is it bitter? Ah, it's a fake one. I know this fruit. It's not tangerine. It is something else. Ah, it looks like orange. It's not orange. What color is it inside? You check it. You check it. You check it. What kind of things is it bringing out? Does it have spines, thorns on it? Ah, it is not the original. The original one is smooth. The back looks like this. Do you understand? Yes. Any individual that does not permit you to check out things is <laughs> not speaking for who is he talking for when the scripture is describing we haven't even read the description yet but one of it we've touched one they turn the grace of God into a license to do evil run like mad these people were marked for condemnation if you follow them where do you think you end don't waste your time. You know, I've had relatives, you know, you can understand on my background. So my cousin's relatives back will be typically Roman Catholics, right? It's easy. Let me say the one that is easier. If I start mentioning the ones that are more popular. <laughs> you know, I'm going to mention names. There are things you don't dance around. And of course, the season has changed. Uh-huh, I was saying, make sure I don't edit out anything I say. Of course, we didn't edit my messages. So. You wonder how they read these things and still preach what they preach. You wonder, do, is it that they don't read the Bible? So you have relatives that will bring. I mean, I had this uncle, he was top bank picker, a nun in training from a convent school and come to the village and stay with her. And two of them spend the night or two or three. You come in all the way from the west. Drive. Pick. Come. Be around for days. And go back. I don't think they were praying. I really doubt. I don't, I don't think it was prayer they prayed. And she arrived in the car wearing her nun's habit. Finger. There's no grace you can use there and claim that uh, license to do evil uh, is the grace of a no. But what I'm finding funny is that you leave the church and you'll be asking you things like, why don't you come to church? Why do you stop coming to church? <laughs> well, sorry, they ask you, why do you stop coming to the church? This is, and they want to go into discussion. Clown. What kind of talk is that? You know, people, I'm not thinking of, I'm thinking of many people now. Blatant sinners. And they are trying to tell you something about what Jesus. It's very confusing to my soul. How someone that knows they are absolutely lost can look at someone that is not lost at all, but has been found. And tell them, come and be lost with me. Let's be lost together. Forever. No. For certain men have secretly slipped in among you. 
They didn't come out, ah, carefully, I'm the devil, I'm of the devil. No. They came. They were marked out for condemnation. They have turned the grace of our God into a license for evil. They say, no, the blood covers it. The blood covers it. No. No, the blood of Jesus will cover it. You don't, you don't need to. Um, and, um, and. Say, so when you just, just. They, you, you used to feel bad about sin. Now you don't feel bad. It's very easy to know if you've been ensnared. Now you've seen and you're, you're trying to remember what your pastor said. That he said it's okay that, uh, that it's not really that the blood was shed once and for all. That once saved, always saved that. Instead of remembering that your pastor saved you sin, repent. Repent. Repent with passion. Then sometimes, in some situation, carry yourself and go and report. Find your shepherd, confess one to another, and pray for one another, James wife, that you may be healed. Forget to say that. And who deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ? They deny Jesus. I'm waiting for some. Oh God, God knows I will not be surprised when some people start saying some things. Can't surprise me. Just wait now. It won't be long. Don't worry. They can't help it. It's a process. That's the beauty of these people. They go from worse to worse. They can't help it. The Bible says evil men and seducers. Second Timothy chapter 3, 12. All will live God in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. They deceive people, but they themselves are being deceived. They hear things. They believe that is the truth. Demons are telling them things. They, ah, revelation. Rema. But how you know? They wax worse and worse. They don't stay in the same state. They always get worse. You can't stay in the same place. You talk nonsense. Then you talk worse nonsense. They don't, there's nothing like a steady bad. Mm-mm. They get worse. They always do. They can't help themselves. It's been spoken. Scriptures cannot be broken. So give them time. Just wait. Five years later, ten years later, they'll, they'll get a new degree in bad theology, in error. They can't help it. And that's why I'm just appreciative to God. You don't need to hang them. They will take a rope like Judas and hang themselves. You don't need to hang them. You don't need to try. That's the only reason sometimes we are not bothered. Uh, We don't call names and, and all that and bother that much. Because we don't come out and fight them. We just preach the truth. And if it touches someone you think you know, that's your problem. But generally, it is not cowardice. We would be calling names day and night. Once in a while, we need to call and say, okay, be careful about Ebel Damina or something. But generally, there's no need. No, generally, there's no need because they prove themselves. They they say the most fantastic things. Yeah, you wonder, did did you actually say that? Then they repeat it. They deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. When someone says they deny Jesus, example, when you say Jesus is not a lion, when 
one of the 24 elders said that the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to break the seal. And you stand up and say, Jesus can never be a lion. Excuse me, what did you just do? You fulfill this scripture. Very simple. Come on. What do you think this meant? They come in Jesus' name. Then they deny his nature. They deny him. They deny what he says. They counter him. Jesus says it clearly. They counter it. And you can believe anything I'm telling you is not rumor. I heard it straight from his mouth. And I'm sure you can hear it. It wasn't hidden. He was preaching on radio. So he didn't say it in a corner or in a pastor's meeting. Jesus can never be a lion. Never. So he said, a lion is always an evil thing. And he made the mistake of reading scripture and read around the throne there were four beasts. One side with a man's face, another side with a calf's face, another side with an eagle's face, another side with a lion's face. Then he stopped reading the scriptures. Because this thing he just described was around the throne. He didn't make any comment on it, he just moved on. Because <laughs> one, they said there was a lion in a throne. And then next thing, they said that they were living creatures around the throne and a lion face. He had just finished saying that Satan is the lion. Every time you see a lion in the Bible, it's an evil thing. He just finished saying that. They just described them around the throne. What's wrong with you? How can you look at the Bible and counter it directly? I know that's a small example. Of course, if you hear some of the message, you, 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 you'll be in awe. Direct countering. Jesus says, I am the consuming fire. I say, how can Jesus be a consuming fire? Immediately, immediately after reading the verse, counters it. How else do you deny? Listen, let me read it again. He denies our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You don't understand? Let me explain. Anytime someone counters what our master and Lord has said, that person is saying that he is master and he is Lord. Do you understand? That person is saying that he is the master and he is the Lord. That's what that person is saying. But Jesus is the master and Jesus is the Lord. You cannot be, anytime you say something contradicting our only, did you hear him say, our only master and Lord? These people started claiming they are Lord. The Roman church did it many years ago. Do you understand? Do you understand when the Pope became the head of the church? They countered Jesus being the master and Lord. It's the same thing. It comes when you open your mouth and contradict. What does the Bible say about Jesus? It says there's one mediator between God and man. And then a Pope comes up and says that Mary is a co-redemptrix. She's a mediatrix. That you can come to God through Jesus and Mary. Did any of you know that? That was an official position taken by Pope. You see, you have denied the the place of master and lordship that belongs to only Jesus. There's a reason he says there's only one mediator. How could it be more plain when he says there's only one? He didn't say there's a mediator. He said there's only one. Then you come out and directly counter it. You must be very bold. And you are fulfilling this prophecy. Are you seeing it? So they deny the sole rule 
so lordship of Jesus. They take co-lordship. They are all over. They are all over the land. All over the world. In this Nigeria, they are everywhere. People fear them far more than they fear Jesus. When they open their mouth and say anything, it doesn't matter what they say. They could say almost anything. People will take it and ignore what Jesus says. They'll ignore what Jesus says. Of course, everyone here, you should be completely aware that the truth is supposed to free you. Anyone that says you're not meant to tell the truth because of who is involved. Anyone that says you shouldn't talk about Judas because he was one of the twelve apostles. Tell him, have you read Acts chapter 1? Did you hear me? You didn't hear me well. Okay, you have not read Acts chapter 1 well. Did they talk about Judas there? Does the book of John chapter 13 talk about Judas and call his name? Does John 6 call his name? Jesus said, did I not choose the twelve of you? One of you is the devil. And John wrote in there, he was speaking about Judas. He was the one that kept the money back. And he was a thief. What is your own basis for what you're saying? It's the same people that told you. Is this our same friend that I heard say? I heard him direct. I was walking past the television. Walking past to see me. When God wants to do something, you're not looking for it. God knows I've not officially sat there and listened to him once. I am walking past. If anyone criticizes me, slap them. So I pause. I wait for him to laugh and end the joke. He repeats it. Slap. He's not joking at all. His face, he's not playing at all. Nobody say I hear audio saying that they joke. I they watch him. Slap them. You have not committed a crime. I read law. <laughs> What are you talking about? How can you say if you assault someone is not a crime? They sue you on that civil law and criminal law. They both together. You can sue on that different laws. Slap them. You have not committed a crime. Slap. I looked. He, I thought you said for one second pass. He didn't pass. He stayed there. You know, I was talking with one young man that used to come around me because when I was share in an office... And some young people there, they'll come, you know, I'll share from the Bible, 10, 15 minutes every morning, once in a while, when I'm around. Back then, when I was working some job, interns and others were there. And the young man came and said, I like how you preach. Oh, you know, that you would, because there's a lot of things I say that I even actually sound like these people. Yeah, fact. Because that's what the devil does. He takes the truth, then mixes poison with it. So there are people that will hear part of what I say and they will say I'm preaching exactly. Men, people have told me over and over again, you preach like, they keep calling names of people I've never listened to one sermon on. One. I've listened to one sermon on this friend. One. And I listened to it because the, a young lady that I employed many years ago, who is an orphan, I came back and the young lady told me. And she's poor, but definitely she's an orphan. Mother is not. Ah, poor people. Well. Poverty. She used to be hungry. I think she developed ulcers from hunger. Well, like, not from indiscipline. Just poor background. Difficult background. The father died. Struggle. And then the person goes to a church where she was and, and, and preaches and, and says, if you're poor, you likely not go to heaven. 
Jesus said the exact opposite. If you are rich, you, you likely not go to heaven. Is it in your Bible or is it not? Is it not in the Bible? That it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This guy went told that it's very hard for a poor man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He said it directly, and I when I told the guy, he said, ah, don't exaggerate. She said, sir, it's true, sir, it's true. She was almost crying. He said that this is the... I said, I will listen. That's what made me go and get the message and listen to it. And what he said was worse than anything she said. <laughs> he said, if you even make heaven, you will be a boy boy like Lazarus. <laughs> he wasn't joking. He wasn't joking at all. So every time by mistake I heard, though, I was in, I was like, <laughs> Is this real? And I wonder if the people that don't read the Bible at all. Until that time, some of you were here. When I started rejoicing, I don't even call it. Why I heard, ah, he has repented from preaching erroneous money messages. And I was happy. Who was around? And I was so happy doing one Sunday service. I was ah, thank God. I was so excited that he has left money. <laughs> And he graduated into direct confrontation with scripture. Direct. He said that that 24, one, the Bible says one of the 24 elders told John in the vision. The Bible says, have you read this story? He said, the elder told me, he said, do not cry and weep for the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to break the seal and open the books thereof. Because before that, John said there was no one found that could open it. And John says, I turned and I saw a lamb, like a lamb, slain. He finished reading and he said, this elder must be a Jew. This reporting rumor, superstition, the first time I, I read, I saw a transcript, I thought he was talking about an elder in his church. <laughs> I couldn't believe it till I heard the audio. This is like one of the 24 elders around the throne of God. That you're, called, you're abusing, calling a Jew superstition. Before he finished that discourse, he said someone will see he went to heaven. It's the highest form of malaria. <laughs> And you tell me that's a picture of the gospel. Let me keep reading their series. <laughs> if you like, hear what I'm saying. Whoever you are, whenever you're hearing this, and go with them. You know on judgment day. You don't challenge the lordship of Jesus. Jesus says he's lord. You show up and say, no, I am lord. I decide what happens. Who are you? Wind. Grass. Mist. A flower of the field. All your glory. Direct challenge. You read a verse like this and say it doesn't mean that. If you confess your sins, what another? Say no, you don't confess. If you, uh, um, 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 uh, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just said that book of First John was written to the two different groups of people. You have to pick the side that is talking to you. Someone picked up a piece of 
paper wrote a letter to two or three different people. Have you ever written a letter to two or three different people? Who has the grace here to somehow, on one piece, one book, one, you write a letter and inside, I read verse one, two, three, mine, two, four, five, yours. <laughs> you jump around all the way. One letter, one letter is written to different people. You are amazing. You, you see someone bent on me. I, I know someone said this. The person didn't say who it was. Do you, you don't need to tell me. Just finished reading. No, 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 no. For your God is a consuming fire. That place is not talking to you. That place is saying that the fire of God came and consumed the sin on Jesus while he was on the cross. After a while, you're just like, wait, these jokes are too many. If he was joking, it's too much now. When will you stop playing? You know it's not playing when they say, let's share the grace. <laughs> there was no joke here. Yeah. They meant what they're saying. And you, that's your, have you heard of a blind leading the blind? You're finished. May God make sure you're saved in this age. Because, oh dear Jesus, you don't need to repent. You say repenting, you'll be repenting. Repent. No, keep your luggage. You find out why he said you should repent. After you're born again, you're given white garment. From Jesus, straight, pure white. Everything you commit thereafter is a dot on your white garment. Don't go for washing and bleaching constantly. Watch what you show with. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are living in sin. And you don't need to go into unnecessary argument. Just look at their lives. Has anyone come across any of these people that believe these things? They live a very righteous life. Okay, they live a righteous life. Not in Christ Jesus. I mean a righteous life. Which was in Christ Jesus. <laughs> they live all the work to Jesus. Then they do anyhow. When you come across these people, many of them, they don't fear God at all. Zero. It is far better they, they never got born again. <laughs> and that's one of the clearest signs. That's the clearest sign, in fact. You look at the people that believe those things, the life they live. They don't fear God. Some of them are so sinful. So sinful. Some of them I know. <coughs> they used to almost want to love God. Now they don't even bother. Because they've been told that the blood washes is following them and dripping on their head. No need to confess. It's just there. Available to wash away. Now look at Jude's warning. Everybody. Here, brother Jude. Now I desire to remind you. He just felt a sudden urge around this time to remind them of something. I'll just read. I desire to remind you, even though you have been fully informed of these facts, once for all. Do you know most of these people were once informed of the facts we're about to read? You've been informed. He said, but let me remind you around this time <laughs> that Jesus, your Bible says Joshua. Who? What are you talking about? I'm not hearing you. The Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, later destroyed those who did not believe. I don't know why that says Jesus. It's the Lord. The angel of the Lord. The Lord. 
I won't go into that. Some people, you know. Guys, you know, see? Huh? Told you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't go into it. Just endure. Jesus had, okay, let me just throw it out. Immediately I throw it out, leave it alone. Do you agree? Yes. Uh-huh. You know God the Father has never come to earth. Uh, he's too big. Uh, but God was around, came down mountains and all of that. You know that, right? He introduced himself, said the Lord, the Lord, full of. Hmm. So I'm just, that's all. Okay. Having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, later destroyed those who did not believe. <gasps> yeah, he did. After saving them out of the land of Egypt, later destroyed them. <sighs> Once saved, always saved. Really? <laughs> After saving them, later destroyed them. And you're still discussing that once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You can never just say, Jesus, I believe. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, you can never lose that salvation. You are a clown. If you don't wake up swimming in a lake, yeah, I didn't say it. And it's not a lake of water. He promises you he will destroy you. Believe it. He destroyed those who did not believe. I have a question to ask. They were saved. Yeah. Did we just read there that having saved the people out of the land of Egypt? Yeah. I don't understand. I thought when you believe, you are saved. As many as shall believe, call name and believe, shall be yeah. Were these people saved out of Egypt? Yeah. Egypt represents the world. And they were saved. What exactly does he mean when he says that he destroyed those who did not believe? I thought they were believing. I thought they were believers. People, you have to keep believing, and belief is always shown by your actions. Stop believing, or stop acting like you believe. You are an unbeliever. Believers become unbelievers. They will go to the lake of fire. That's all. Take note, brother. Jude conveniently around here began to remind people of these stories. Let's see if you tell another one. You also know that the angels who did not keep within their proper domain but abandoned their own place of residence. He has kept in eternal chains, in utter darkness, locked up for the judgment of the great day. Huh. Side note. One this side note? Did you hear that the chains are eternal? But they are locked up for judgment on the... I don't understand. Eternal chains. Are you tracking or you're lost? You're lost. Wave your hand. If it is eternal, they are kept for judgment. Would they still be the chain on the eternal day or they will free them from the chain to come and... There is eternal chains. But... Hmm? Are you tracking now? Yes. Told you. The word... Everlasting. Adios. Ever during. Hmm, what a word. That's a very interesting word, put it. You can see it's from, is linked to the word aeon. 
So it's adios. The word eternal, the typical, does not mean what you've been there at all. If it's an eternal thing, it will never stop being there. But it will stop being there because they are being kept for judgment. Those chains will hold them for the length of time required until that time. So the word Ionos always means for the length of the life of the thing. It's an indefinite time to be exact. It could be two hours. It could be two thousand years. Eternal life is a human life. The life of the age. That phase of time when Jesus establishes and rules through his saints, with his saints for a thousand years. A union life. After that we enter another phase. This is scripture. It might be different, but it's always been written so. So we've covered those that left Egypt, have we? The Israelites, have we? And we've covered the angels, have we? That couldn't stay in one place. And came to earth to marry women. Fine girls. You can't hold yourself. Fine girl. Fine girl. You now thought I'm a son of God. You now left where you were. Came down to where you should not be. They grabbed them and they locked them up. Already they had impregnated the poor women. Generated Nephilim. But as per their imprisonment, they are kept. They haven't even been judged yet. There's a great... Have you not read that men who judge angels? Oh, are you understanding better now? Can you see why you need to go through proper education? What is kind of empty head you want to kind of go and judge these kind of things? In your mind, no, everybody, as long as you make it a lie, you have to go through proper training so you can handle proper matters. When they bring whether Azazel for you, Azazel, come here, stand there. But put that chain again. Uh huh. Don't want anything, do anyhow here. Why did you? Men will do that. Wow. It's a big deal. Oh. This preparation is not my, my sorry. It's not, um, <clears throat> it's not a, a joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a serious matter. So also, two people, three, third category. So also, Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns, since they indulged in sexual immorality, and pursued unnatural desire in a way similar to these angels are now displayed as an example by suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Huh. Is Sodom and Gomorrah still burning? Sorry, sorry. I'm just still... Thank God I took time to lay that foundation. Uh, because I would have had to still come here. No wonder. I was wondering, Holy Ghost, why? Did we come to talk about hell? How many times? Did you hear the fire is eternal? Sodom and Gomorrah? Are suffering eternal fire. Where? <laughs> they are displayed as an example by suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Someone is going to say no, that they will. That's not what it says. They are an example that went through what's referred to here as eternal fire. Unions. Yet these men is back to our people. These men, these people the Lord is talking about, that turn the grace of God into a license to sin. These men, listen to this, as a result of their dreams, 
as a result of their dreams, defile the flesh. Look at the different things they do. They have a dream, they have a desire that certain things will come to pass. One thing they do is they defile the flesh. Another thing they do is they reject authority. They like being the one in authority. They reject authority. They don't recognize authority. Me, I recognize the authority of scripture. If I ever stop doing that, that's when you run from me. And run quickly. Make sure you carry as many people along as you're running. Have you heard? In case I ever lose my mind. Have you heard me? Run with as many as possible. The moment I stand and say, listen to me. We are the authority to ourselves. It is in me. He lives in me. It lives in me. I am, I am, I am, I, 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 I am. Run. Once you say I am, I think I heard a preacher saying I am. He called himself I am. I hope you guys know when not to stand next to someone. <laughs> Have you watched in the movies or cartoons when lightning strikes? It's not good to be next to someone. Lightning is electricity. Have you heard? No. It's the way someone says something. You leave the building. You leave the building. I don't tell you. I have told you. It may not fall that day. It may fall another day. And not be wise to be there. When someone wants to die fast, they start saying things they shouldn't say. They reject authority. They don't like... When you hear someone saying massive portions of the scripture are irrelevant. Have you come across that? Old Testament. Me. In fact, Matthew, Matthew, and John. Hey, only Paul. What confusion. We are established on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The chief cornerstone being Jesus. The apostles and prophets. Those are your apostles in the New Testament. Your prophets in the Old Testament from Moses. Jesus Christ, chief cornerstone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're built on that. What did Paul say? I commend you to the word of God. And his grace, which is able to build you up. And give you an inheritance. Amongst those who are saved. I commend you. to Not to the elders. To the word of God. Then someone comes and takes away nine over ten of scriptures. Or I don't know. Three over five. And throws away and see it doesn't apply. That you pick. You can go. When you get to Habakkuk. Anything you like they take out. The one you don't like throw it away. That their revelation was no more applicable. That, that's what. You, you know you're in bad company. An evil company will corrupt your good manners. Once you knew. Didn't we read there that once you knew these things? You knew this once. Don't ever forget it. Bible is the final standard. I was in a meeting many years ago. Charismatic renewal. And someone asked the priest. But father. Doesn't the Bible say. That. Something I think about idolatry or something. And the priest was so angry. Who wrote the Bible? 
Who wrote the Bible? Is it not the church that wrote the Bible? Therefore, which one is greater? These ones don't say that. They say the same spirit is in me that brings revelation the same way Moses had the spirit that gave him revelation of Paul. We too, in this video, not far away from me. We too, we have the spirit of revelation. Another one that one of our people went here. In fact, this is Michael Angle. The man said, you see this book? It was the people that was written to are the only people he refers to. It does not apply to us. He's a pastor of a church. He's the pastor. Huh? Say yes, no? That the book of Romans was written to the Romans. Whoever was received it, it was for them. That's all. And people are in those churches. So your pastor does not believe in the Bible. What are you doing there? <laughs> the Lord have mercy on your soul. Even while it is still alive. And these are things that people joke with. Because these people have taught all that. Like they taught back then. The Roman church and like the Pente. Rascally churches everywhere. They say don't question anything we say. So why were you given the Bible? Why does Acts chapter 17 say that you search scripture daily to see if the things Paul said was so? You mean these people are greater than Paul? Paul gave himself to be cross-checked with scripture. Jesus said you do err because you don't know the scripture nor the power of God. You will err when you don't know scripture. You must err. To err means to be in error. To be in error means to be wrong. You must err. The moment scripture is not your standard, you will err. Jesus said so. Ah, me, I want to stop now. What else do they do? I'm going to stop. I think I'll stop in the middle. We'll continue next time. What else do we do? He says, they reject authority and insult the glorious ones. Everyone pay attention. Look at me. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. They insult who? The glorious, the glorious ones. Let's check out a glorious one. But even when Michael the archangel was arguing with the devil and debating with him concerning Moses' body, he did not dare to bring a slanderous judgment. But said, may the Lord rebuke you. Eh? Who is the glorious one? Sorry, sorry, anyone? Sorry, I heard some people say devil here. Yeah, I think they are drunk. Yes? Please, who knows what is written there? Eh? Can someone that is not saying what you people are saying say something? <laughs> Please, a different opinion, really, please. Yes. I'll read again. <laughs> but even when Michael, the archangel, was arguing with the devil and debating with him concerning Moses' body, he, that is Michael, did not dare to bring a slanderous judgment, but said, may the Lord rebuke you. Do you still think what you're thinking? He didn't say Satan did not bring a slanderous judgment. Satan did not tell Michael, the archangel, may the Lord rebuke you. 
I, I have the impression Michael told the devil, the Lord rebuked him. May the Lord rebuke him. He rebuked him. As he asked the Lord to rebuke him. He did not bring a slanderous judgment. And what does he refer to Michael, uh, to the devil as? Believe it. Go to Second Peter 2. It's written there. It's repeated. So you can't argue with it. And if you're not bigger than the Bible, can you see why in this house, uh, from long ago, I didn't used to allow you to pray the normal prayers? Do you know why you can't hear me saying Satan is very stupid and all? Have you heard preachers saying all those things? You're not allowed. This is New Testament, people. You're not permitted. And that's why he has a right and defeats them so much. You see the same people that talk like that. And the devil controls their life in so many ways. Because Satan has legal right to attack them like that. Because officially you are not permitted to bring a slanderous judgment. A slanderous judgment. A slanderous judgment against. And you were wondering long ago. I, 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 sorry, you guys are not ready for, you're not ready for us to study Satan yet. We will someday. I don't think you're ready for us to study Satan yet. But your Bible calls him a glorious one. What kind of thing is that? What I learned long ago from the Holy Ghost is don't argue with the Bible. Acknowledge ignorance and develop. Remember our drawers? In case you don't know, make sure you have this, all of you, in your brain, your house. Your body is your house. You are your house. Make sure you have three drawers. The first one, everything you know that is right, when it's said and proven from scripture, put it in this drawer. Anything you hear that is wrong, you're very sure, you have proved it from scripture. Put it in the second drawer, drawer, the wrong drawer. Final, make sure you have a third one. Many people have only these two. And that's why they are proud and foolish and ignorant. You can't know everything. If you have only right and wrong drawers, you know everything. You must have the third drawer, question mark. That's where you put all the things you are unsure of. Until the time comes when you know whether it is right or wrong, you move it there. What you know about Satan? I think a lot is wrong, but the little, the one we are clear is that he's an accuser of the brethren, yes? His name, Satan, means the opponent. We know he was the snake in the garden, yes? The Bible calls him the serpent and also calls him the dragon. The great red dragon. So he shows in different ways. He's the same being manifesting in different ways. But the Bible tells us when the sons of me- of God came to appear before God, Satan also came with them. That's in your Bible. Now hold yourself and keep in the question mark box and don't bother too much. Don't go studying the deep things of Satan. Just leave it. Focus. You need to overcome eating too much. Amen. Amen. Gluttony, gossip, you understand? The more important things. (laughs) Satan's condition, let Jesus, the Lord rebuke him, eh? Face your sight, Uchi. Leave Satan. Don't go. All the people that go and focus on Satan, how much did he help you? He ended up beating you up. You were focused on trying to, when you know about him, what? And he doesn't like being known too much. It's not that we can't talk about it in the back, but what you have to focus on is not him, it is his schemes. Do you understand? You know we talk about Satan, but it's usually his tricks I'm always talking about. Because God reveals his tricks. His tricks. Ah, that's the devil. Ah, that's the devil. That's Satan. That's Satan. What, we are not ignorant of his 
his schemes, his devices, his tricks, his wiles. That's what the that's what you're to focus on. Not on him, on his tricks. So you sit here and a ball rolls, and you hear behind and you don't even turn your head, you go. Let's say, let's say maybe it's a guy that likes playing jokes like that. You go, hey guy, if you don't mind yourself, eh? You don't have to look at his face. You just know that he's the one that plays those kinds of tricks. Do you understand? You're sitting down really and you hear someone come and tickle your ear behind you. You don't have to turn and look at their face and study them. Is it? No. You say carry your tricks and go one side, John. Is it not you? You focus on knowing his tricks and knowing how to ignore or handle them. You don't focus on knowing him. Can you see the big difference? Don't go and study. Ah, how often does Satan come out of his lair in a year? Seven times. What's on 13 March? The second one is on 50 May. The third one is on... That's how you become a devil worshipper. And that's what has happened to many that made knowing things about Satan their goal in life. They got consumed. The Bible calls it in the book of Revelation the dark, the deep things of Satan. Why do you want to know the deep things of Satan? Jesus commended those that did not know the deep things of Satan. You don't need to. What do you need to know? You, but you need to know his tricks. Ah, it's him. Ah, ha, ha. You don't come. Fine, share. Sit down. He comes, he wants to put fear in you. You don't focus on him. You understand. Ah, he wants to make me afraid. You refuse to be afraid. Do you get? You don't go saying, um, how does he bring fear? Let's go and find out. Let's dig up the big books. It's not important. All you know here is that Jude, Jude, oh, Jude, otherwise known as Judas, the brother of James, the brothers of the Lord, said, that Michael, that these people, one of their characteristics is that they like insulting Satan. And compared them to Michael. Do you know in Second Peter 2, he says, but even angels which are mightier than them do not abuse the devil. There's no way you have to see. Let me read verse 10, then I'll read Second Peter and we end there. But these men, do but these men do not understand the things they slander. Are you hearing? Did you just hear that they don't understand the things they slander? And what were they slandering? The devil. Are you hearing that they didn't understand it? Don't try to understand too much about Satan. We will understand in the age to come, okay? Or in the days ahead. Why did you keep quiet? You didn't answer. You want to have a master's in devilology. Satanology. You want to have a PhD. Don't. And I'm serious. One of the reasons we've been able to make some progress with knowing God and having peace in the sense of, of, um, of worshiping Jesus at his throne. And you've been here and seen the great access we have is because we didn't burden ourselves with deep knowledge of Satan. We focused on loving Jesus. And in the process, we've been able to defeat the devil so many times. Effectively. Where every time you use God's method, you win. Every time you come up with your own method. Look at all the texts. 
we see about how the devil will not succeed. Do you see those texts? Do you come across messages every time talk about how the devil cannot succeed? How any enemy that was once in your life, enemy, 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 enemy. Focus on your fortress, which is the name of the Lord. The righteous run into what? Into the name of the Lord and they are, they are saved. The righteous don't fight Satan and they are saved. The righteous run into their Lord's fortress and they are saved. You stay with Jesus, you are safe. You don't go encroaching on Satan. If you haven't read Needless Casualties of War, go and read it. And you may need to send it to your family and parents. Maybe most of the family problems you have will end. All they need to do is repent. God, forgive us for tampering and slandering things we don't know. Right now, you territorial spirit over you, fall down now. If not for the mercy of God, almost all those people, and many do end up, you end up dead, damaged, all sorts of issues in your life. You never connected. Satan goes to the courts of God. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil goes to the courts of heaven, drops an application and says, I'm entitled to strike this guy. Why? He slandered me, spoke against me, attacked me, insulted me. And quotes the Bible. Even Michael doesn't insult me. I'm a glorious one. The Bible says so. The Holy Spirit inspired Jude to say, cause the devil a glorious one. You don't fight the devil by attacking him with carnal weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of casting the imagination of everything that is also against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The thought is where? The imagination is where? It's in your own head. And being ready to punish all disobedience, including the disobedience of the devil. When your obedience is complete. Question, is your obedience complete? How dare you? Can you understand why we are going to be able to deal with Satan later? Because when we have transformed bodies, our obedience will be complete. Are you understanding? Can you understand times and seasons? The moment you step out of that, you are hurt. You go and attack things you don't even understand. He puts an application. They just abused me. And God, who is the just judge? You can't understand that too. Most people can never understand. Are you saying God allows? You, have a, you, you know nothing about the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, everything is legal. Misbehave. You have not read. Jesus opened his mouth and directly told Peter. Peter, Simon, Simon, used to call him Simon, in spite of his name change, which some deem so important. After I told him you shall, Simon, you shall be called Peter. I kept calling Simon till the, till the last night he died. Simon, no, don't call me that name. Mm, that's not my name. That name is a wicked name. Okay. Simon. Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your that it shall not happen. No, he said, I've prayed for you that your faith might not fail. Uh, uh, by the way, when you're restored, strengthen your brethren. Eh? In other words, you are going to fall. And it is Satan that will cause it. And he brought the application to the court of heaven. And it was granted. It's in your Bible. 
Who is it that requested to tempt Job and mess him up? Kill everybody, destroy everything he had. Satan said, eh, because they have not allowed him to touch. Eh, eh, eh. God said, okay, touch, but don't touch him. It's in your Bible. He showed up in Job. He showed up when Jesus was around with Peter. What do you know about Satan? You think you know Satan? I told you guys long ago, he's doing his job. And God always has respect for people that are facing their side. I created the waster to destroy. Have you read that? Anytime anyone ever asks you like they ask, Hey, who created Satan? Say God. Hey, so why are training? Uh, who created your principal? Who created compound master? Who created labor masters? Who created prefects? Who created kings? Who created fire? Who created all the difficult and painful things in this world? Who has a hand in their God? Why? Training. The last time they put you guys in the garden and say, stay, face your side. Don't chop this one. Did you hear? You didn't hear. Yeah, go through training to resist temptation. In the last uh, six days, on the seventh day, we'll have rest. You understand? Six days. Rest is coming. Sabbath. See the, the, the Adam to this time we are in. Six thousand years. Thousand years with the Lord is as a day. Six days. Rest is coming. But for now, we must hustle. Six days you shall do your work on the seventh. The rest. We have to work, people. Satan is compound master. <laughs> Stop quarreling with the devil. And I'm not joking. He was released there to test your loyalty. He showed up in the garden like a small serpent. He has showed up now like a mighty dragon. That's what snakes become when they grow up. <gasps> Because people have kept feeding him. He eats people. Canal man. Serpent, your food shall be dust. He feeds on canal nature. That's why you must be rock. So you don't feed the devil. Make him strong. That's why your canal nature is your undoing. The canal earthy man. The first Adam was earthy. First Corinthians 15. The second Adam is a life giving spirit. Is the man from above. The last Adam. This is the protocol of and the plan of God. He wants people that have understanding. Okay? The Bible says these men do not understand the things they slander. And they are being destroyed by the very things that like irrational animals, they instinctively comprehend. We will continue to look at this. Let me just give you Second Peter 2. That's all. Second Peter 2 verse 10. And let me read from 9 just to toss in a little something on hell for you there. For while he lived, let me read verse 7. Oh dear me. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man in anguish over the debauched lifestyle of lawless men. For while he lived among them day after day. That righteous man was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Who is he talking about? Lot. If so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from their trials. Are you hearing? And this trial is a trial of fire. That's your fire. God knows how to rescue you from it. Okay? The Bible calls it the trial of your faith. Okay? 
that is like gold tried in fire. It's more precious than gold tried in fire. So your trials are your fire. Why do you think James chapter 1 says that rejoice, verse 2, when you fall into diverse trials, knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience or perseverance, and let perseverance have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. That's your fire. That's your hell. Everyone will be tried by fire. You go through these trials are working to make you perfect. It's not evil. It's of God. That's what Peter went through. Sifting. Trial. The trial of his feet. He fell that time. But he didn't fall the next time. Do you understand? Or that when they came again after that. That's what all the past temptations you have fallen to. So stand up and say, hey, wait me. Don't fall again. Be angry. You heard what our brother said. How he looked at it. Everybody was exhorting him. Or they, were, they were just speaking of how and he went in Amigo Kong for what? For why? That's the attitude you must have. We all have stumbled in different ways. Must we stay on the ground? We stand up and we keep running and we don't fall again. We say, I will not fall. Why should I fall? Do I want to be disqualified? Paul said first one that I for this reason I beat my body, I place it under subjection. Better beat it up. Keep it down. It's a stubborn thing. Keep it down. That's your fire, people. But hear this. He's able to rescue the godly from their trials. God will rescue you even through those your trials, like he just did with Peter. And to reserve the unrighteous for punishment at the day of judgment. That's the place people call hell. There's a place he reserves the unrighteous. For the day of judgment. The day of judgment has not arrived. The great white throne judgment is the day of judgment. It hasn't come yet for anybody. If the Bible tells you in Revelation 20 that everybody will be coughed up from wherever they were, including those that were in Hades or hell, as your King James would say, will come out to face their judgment. So, but before that, he said, God knows how to reserve the unrighteous for judgment. He knows how to reserve them. There's a room for reserve. He said, why do you think he said God knows how to reserve? Who can say that in English? Face your side. Busybody. God knows how to reserve them. Did you hear? He knows how to keep them. God knows how. He just told you he knows. Oh, but people had visions. They did. And what did they saw? See, they saw exactly what is. You can't call it physical. It's spiritual. The people's bodies are not there. How can it be physical? Is it not their souls that are in torment? It's not their bodies. So how can it be physical, literal fire? It's something else. You don't have a physical body on the other side. But you are for punishment. But God knows how to do that. And I'll face my side. I, I know I don't want to reserve, reserve for punishment. Do you see the people knew punishment was coming up? Next on the menu, what? Punishment. I don't want to be in that group, I beg. Especially those who indulge their fleshly desires and who despise authority. Do you see the special class of people reserved for judgment and punishment? I'm going to read it again. Those who indulge their fleshly desires. <gasps> Two. 
and who despise authority. Did we just come across something like that? That's why I say don't despise authority. Real authority, there's false authority. This type that he's talking about are the false authority. If this was real authority, he wouldn't be speaking against them. Jude wouldn't, Peter wouldn't. This is not the kind of authority. There's real authority, including the glorious one we just read about. He has been given a sphere of authority. You have to agree. You can't argue with it. But when in your impatience and ignorance, you start trying to cast out the prince of Uyo from Uyo, when it is not even close to his time, you haven't heard. Who has read before in Colossians that Jesus is the head of all principalities and powers? Do you even understand what it means that Jesus is the head? The VC is the head of union. I am the human head of this congregation. Jesus is the head of principalities and powers. It's not entering. It's better you're in a fog. Just stay there. Some of you look at me like the things I'm saying are not in the scripture. They are. I'm sorry. And I wasn't involved in writing. That one I can swear to. I wasn't. They, they, didn't, they didn't even consult me. <laughs> but I was born to see it. Jesus is the head of principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Do you remember? Yeah. But he's also their head. He didn't say he was. He didn't say he will be. He is. Jesus does not kick out every principality and power. He didn't kick them all out. They are given time. Did you read about when it was time and they took Satan and locked him up? Yeah. And then brought him out again and freed him to go around deceiving? Yeah. So, do, do you still think God is not in control? God is in charge. Hey, but I don't like this. I don't like this thing you're saying. Are you really saying that God is... That you're slow? Or just dull? Yes, he is. Ah, then, then why? Then why? Because greater is he that ought to be in you <laughs> than he that is in the world. He goes around the whole earth deceiving. Why do you allow yourself to be deceived? There's a countermeasure to him. Like Eve was deceived the first time. The last day woman is not meant to be deceived. Our original mother was deceived. The heavenly Jerusalem, who is the mother of us all, according to Galatians, we ought not to be deceived. Why are you still deceived? You are deceived because you are not obeying her son. You are not obeying the son of man. You are not listening to the Lord Jesus. You are not, you are ignorant, you are ignorant of the wiles of the enemy. Let me finish. Brazen and insolent, they are not afraid to insult the glorious ones. I'm still reading Second Peter. Yet even angels who are much more powerful, do not bring a slanderous judgment against them before the Lord. And I'll read verse 12 finally. I'll read verse, I'll read verse 12 finally. But these men, like irrational animals, are you saying that they are quoting, that they are saying the same thing? Creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed do not understand whom they are insulting, and consequently in their destruction, they will be destroyed. Do you hear it said that they don't understand whom they are insulting? 
this alone should make you feel slightly <laughs> more cautious and like may, probably more ignorant than you felt before. You thought you really knew. And that's in a house where we've taught you so clearly. You want to pray to God. When you kneel there in prayer, pray to God and stop talking to Satan. Why do you turn your prayer times into talking to Satan? Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Our father, not our devil. Sorry, who knows more English than when you start a letter? What's the first part called? Dear something, what's it called? Say it again. For the uneducated, listen to them. The salutation. Salutation. That prayer starts with a salutation to who? To God. Why on earth do you kneel down and start talking to Satan? You call it prayer. You see what your teachers have done to you? Teaching you error. You don't understand the weight of it. You kneel down to pray. Say every, every time you're talking to the devil. Every time you're talking to the devil. You are meant to address our father. And where is he? In heaven. Hallowed. Ooh, praise, worship. Be your name. Your kingdom come. It's not Satan's kingdom that is coming. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day a daily bread. Food. My needs. So what are you asking for after worshiping and giving him glory and asking for his will to be done? You ask for your provision from him. Every enemy that is blocking. Could I slap you on behalf of all such people? What? And you might be wondering, no, if you don't fight the enemy, you won't progress. You're a joker. I, for, I've known what I'm saying for 20 years. I've, I don't pray those prayers at all. And you can't tell me God is not providing my daily bread. Miracle after miracle. You can't tell me. Hey, if you don't stop the enemy, I've not been stopping. I actually stop, but I stop it by being obedient to God and doing it his way. Not coming up with my own method. Keep talking to Satan. You call it prayer. It's our father you ought to be talking to. He said, when you pray, enter your closet and speak to your father, which is in secret. And he will answer you in open. In open. You don't enter the closet and go and start talking to Satan. Like it's the habit of all over your country, Nigeria. Always talking to Satan. Talking about Satan. The enemy. The enemy. Sounds wise. Because you're a flesh fighter. Lead me not into temptation. Every enemy that wants to drag me. No, you're asking your father. He should not lead you into temptation. But deliver you from evil. Or from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <gasps> where, is the pray- where is the space for the Satan prayers? Enemy prayers. There's none. And that's the pattern you have to pray with. Now, wow. Are you saying there are no enemies? Can you read? Don't be angry. I'm saying it from love, eh? I just don't want ignorant because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's killing you. God knows what damage you have suffered in your family. How many accusations Satan has achieved against you because of all your ignorance. You should have known. You should have read your Bible. Even when I didn't understand it well, I read my Bible. When I didn't know details. That book I mentioned, Needless Casualties of War. I just heard about it there. Uh, I read it uh, last year, sir. Year before last. You don't have to. It's not necessary. I know I heard something about it years before then. Nigeria, too many people fighting Satan. People with no authority whatsoever. 
pulling down things. It prints over you, you. If you like yourself, just say, Father, forgive me for every stupid prayer I've ever prayed. That's all. That alone will change half of your life. That's all. Father, I didn't know. Forgive me for attacking the glorious ones. The ones that I don't know anything about. I'm ignorant to. I just joined. It gives you a sense of achievement. Since you've been attacking, have you not noticed he still beats you up? And wins all sorts of victories against you? It doesn't work. I have seen the people that win victories over the devil. They don't talk about him much. They talk about his tricks. Like we do a lot. We tell you that's the devil. But we don't go attacking him. We bypass his tricks. And we live victorious lives. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We have like a few minutes to pray. I'm sorry I would like to take questions. But you have to come back. When? Which Friday is Bible studies? Next week Wednesday for us to continue this. So be here next week, Wednesday, we'll be finishing the study on the book of Jude. Next week will be worse than this week. Yes, because if you read the rest of the book of Jude, you see it's worse. He it goes into specifics about their characteristics, how they are a, a, a cloud without water. He describes them, how they are raging, and he tells you about their end. He describes, go and read it for yourself. Take notes if you would. When God began to teach me these things, it must have been around the year 2001. One long time ago, I was in the, ah, one guy that was, I looked up to, that used to claim to love God a lot, I looked up to, you know, I looked up to him in different ways. And he was manifesting Satan like this, eh, enough. Living in sin, lying, cheating, just wrong. I couldn't understand it. God showed me these things. I wasn't even with, around the guy. I wasn't even in you when God was showing me. And God was trying to tell me, like he talks to me, summary of what God, he was saying, listen to me, Ita. listen. He showed me, sir, computer, he showed me Jude. I think it was Jude first. He showed me, he said, listen to me. These things you are reading, this is about 20, almost 20 years ago, if not more. 99 or 2000. I used to think it was, it was 2001. After I was done with university, but I, I, I checked, no, around the time I was wrapping up university, I was done. But I, I saw a book the other one day, some sometime last year or before a, a notebook where I was because I was in Ikorabasi overseeing some projects for my dad and I, I I saw that notebook and that notebook wasn't from that time it was from a later time it was from another date yeah I can't even remember now what so I was kind of surprised because I had pushed it but long story short it was the nineties yeah because that's when that guy stopped staying was the 90s, around 99. I think there must have been one of these acid strikes. And the Lord told me, listen to me, my words are true. Summary. Say my words is true. You've read it in scripture, but you didn't believe that it can, it can be real. And he told me, this person, you look up to this person that lies down and prays in tongues for, 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 for two, three days, but stands up and commits fornication as a norm Cheats, you send him for something, you cut the money, you know, he's very untrustworthy and dishonest, he's like an admiral, almost, but at the same time, he claims to be around the evangelist, one evangelist, and he's this and that, and he's all of that, whom I think I read that book that changed my life, one of the books that changed my life, Kenny Higgins, uh, Following God's Plan for Your Life, it was his book, he was staying with her. I read it from him, and I learned from him. 
I'll watch him go upstairs. My parents empty and lie down for two, three days and pray. So my mind could not believe it when you go for a tarry and come back and say a madman was healed. Meanwhile, he came from a woman's house. That my, I couldn't connect that it's possible for someone to be one, but two. He wasn't a Christian that was stumbling. He was he was two extremes. He was like worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Cutting blood covenants with a girl. Wow. Cutting. Entering blood covenants. You will not. That, how do you even come up with those things? I'm going around telling everyone, I am pastor. I am pastor. I am pastor. I am pastor. God sat me down like this. I remember, if you see the chair, you know, I am saying it lightly. You think it was a small thing for me. It wasn't. It broke my heart. It shattered. I, I couldn't. It was one of the most sober times in my life. And I remember coming to grips with it that I had to agree. And God told me, listen, you thought the things I wrote are for, was for then or for a time in the future. No, that it's happening. That these are real, I'm describing real living beings. They are people like this. This is how they are. They are under bondage to something beyond them. And they put themselves there. And many of them, it seems hopeless. We will look at the following scriptures when we come. We look at more scriptures. People of God, do you ever want to become this thing? Let's wait till next week to pray for ourselves. For now, the prayer you're going to ask is God to help you contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Not this new, not, not this faith to become like whiskey or two-faced. But the faith that was once delivered to the saints, the separate ones. That faith that we, you've heard a part of it. I'm contending. That's why you're hearing me say this. Say anything I've said. But you, are con- meant to content you. You're meant to go out there and content. In real life, if you're around error and your opinion is sought, or you have the opportunity to speak the truth, make sure you speak it. Make sure you let people know this thing you're believing is, no, it's not, it's not from the Bible. That's why you must know your Bible. That's why you must know scriptures. Why I have a particularly great problem with the ones that attack scripture is that they take away the one thing we had left. Do you understand? The one thing we had left for scripture to use and prove, no, she's wrong. She's right. They take away that. So what do you have to use and prove anything when they say that this is irrelevant? So you want to start explaining to someone how the Bible says they laugh at you. They go, ah, are you quoting Joel? <laughs> no, you don't understand. Joel does not apply. So what do you use? So it's high level devilry. You hear anyone that attacks scripture, you don't even have a basis. Just say, don't bother. I want you to pray that God will help you contend for the faith that was once delivered. Pray, pray, pray. Father, we come to you. We ask for grace to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith that was once delivered. Not the new fangled faith emanating from the deceiver, but the real faith of God, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
faith towards God. Faith in the words of God, the eternal gospel. Heaven and earth will pass away, not one jot or tittle of my word will pass. Help Lord Jesus. Help Lord Jesus. Help Lord Jesus. Thank you. Keep my mind pure. Keep my heart pure. Set me free. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Save us from us. From everything that is false and unrighteous. All deception. Save us. Help me to contend. Help me to contend. To fight the good fight of faith. To bring the truth. To cause men to hear the truth that makes others free. Great God. Help me walk in the way that pleases you. To walk the paths of righteousness. To speak the truth in love. To do good to all men. Great God. Great God. Father, we stand together as a church. Help us to contend for the faith that was once delivered. Any other faith that has come up along the line from any other source, we reject it. Oh God. May we never be amongst those that will say, Lord, Lord, and you say you didn't know us. May we not say we cast out demons in your name and did miracles and prophesied. And you say you didn't know us. Because we practiced lawlessness. May our lives be free of sin. May the devil, our enemy, not have anything against us. Let us be like the Lord Jesus, whom the enemy had nothing against. Who laid down his life willingly. Let it be. That there is nothing that the enemy can use against us. Father forgive us for all the times we have spoken slanderous things. Against the glorious ones. We have opened our mouth and uttered words. Against things we don't understand. Just joining the crowd. Father may every application that has been brought against us because of that. Let it be struck out from your Caught in the name of Jesus. Let no petition succeed against us in the name of Jesus. Let those petitions be torn up and burned up, O God, in the name of Jesus. Let our accusers fail in their enterprise. Lord Jesus, make intercession for us. We look to you and we are saved. I want you to pray one more prayer. But while that prayer is happening, if this is your first time, I'd like you to come. Let me pray for you, please. And you'll be snappy. The moment we do it, your first time, just come and pray for you briefly. This is a prayer I want you to pray. Pray that there will be a release of those that for the truth in the church in Nigeria. The church in Nigeria. That God's going to release grace for people to contend for truth. Contend for truth. It didn't say lie down. I'll just, just ask, beg for truth. To contend means to fight. A contention is from the word to contend. A contention. We are meant to fight for the truth. We've been too passive. We've been too slow. Those that are lying are passionate about their lies. Are we passive about the truth? If you're coming, come. Thank you, Father. Father, we ask you to do more than we've asked.
raise contenders, Amen. warriors, Amen. fighters, Amen. champions of, of righteousness. Amen. Strengthen our hands, strengthen their hands. Teach their hands to warn their fingers to fight. Thank you. And let us extract everything else you wish to give us from here. Thank you. In the name of Jesus we pray. We pray you receive eyes to see, ears to hear, and an understanding heart. Remember, test all things and hold fast to what is good. For more information, visit our website at God's hyphen lighthouse dot org.